Welcome to episode 736 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 736 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? Your legs are getting a bit hairy, mate. Yep. Time for a wax? Time for a wax, indeed. How often do you get a wax? Uh, I mix and match a little bit. Sometimes I get it waxed, sometimes I just whip it off with the old buzzer. The old buzzer trick. So, if I was to do it all the time, probably every seven or eight weeks. I'd I say. only shave with a buzzer mm. because I'm not that hairy. Yep. How often do you shave? If I was in an office job, it would have to be every day, but yep. I'd say every three days. Nice, nice. Yep, yep. yep. Do you clean shaven? Yep. Do you use cream? Yep. Oh, I do. I don't use cream because I don't, I don't use a clipper. But <laughs> Solid start of the show. Oh, anyway. but, but I do love that putting the cream on the face thing, clean shaven, and when it takes, that, that's like, it's, it's like a window wiper. You know what I mean? Like a window wiper. <laughs> I can't believe you love we, that. We stuff. need a new window wiper in our car, and it's, it's so frustrating, yeah. but then you get a new window wiper. Your life is better. Yeah, I imagine you, when you put. Do you love it when you do that shave with the cream off? Yeah, I suppose so. No, See, I'm right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it, John. This week's show is proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. Um, uh, let's mm-hmm. name a few. Are we doing a sponsor as well? Yep, yep. Well, why don't you say the sponsor? You normally go sponsor first. Why? Okay. Well, we can mix it up today a <laughs> okay. little bit. You go first. Uh, Morton Triple B Lieber. We got Grant the Spy Petrie and Ryan. Face the music, Barnett. Love it. Okay, we've also got a sponsor, John. You can. And they are sports nutrition that gives you longer-lasting energy without the spike and crash, crash of sugar. On this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. Uh, we've got an interview with assistant all-black coach Brad Moore. We'll talk a little bit about it later on, but it's it's a pretty cool interview, so we look forward to sharing it with you guys. Website of the week, winger of the week, and questions and answers at the end. John. We had a race. You go away for two weeks and yeah, lots of races. come back and there's just races coming out our bloody ears. So um, we'll just do a quick summary. Most of them, well, all but one, were 70.3s. Uh, so at the weekend, last weekend, we had Sunshine Coast so in Australia. Uh, really good field. I'm not sure how they did ran the race, whether it was uh, just a rolling start or quite how they did it for the elites. Um, but anyway, Aaron Royal, um, don't know if he's... Won a 70.3 before or done many, but he's a former very good ITU athlete. Been to at least one Olympics, I think. Uh, he did just caned it on the run. Swam a 21, rode a 207, and around a 112 That's to win a decent by... decent race, uh, isn't it? Yeah, just under a minute from Max Newman, Josh Amberger, Stephen McKerner, and David Manwaring. So pretty strong field. Females, bloody impressed with Amelia Watkinson. Uh, this is a quality field that Tell she's Tell me about her, because it's a name that I don't know amazingly well. I oh, know she's done well. She, uh, I think she got a top 10 at the World 70.3s last year. So a Kiwi girl, she spent some time in Thailand um, doing sort of, sort of doing, I guess maybe her apprenticeship, yep. um, doing Asian races and really starting to step up, winning and getting on a lot of podiums. Uh, and against a quality field, she swam, swam 24, rode a 218 and then ran a 123 to beat out Sarah Crowley by nearly three minutes and Ashley Gentle was another minute back. Then you had Al Zvissa in there as well. So pretty strong field. I know everything's a bit different now because 
you don't really know what sort of shape people are in. Yeah. Um, but still, when you're beating Sarah Crowley and Ashley Gentle, they're two of the best athletes in the world. That's well, you, you often talk about cherry pickers, you know, and when you're overseas and people in Europe who mm. would kind of just pick races where it looked like the field was pretty low. Mm. It's it's not a cherry picking moment, but it's definitely a moment if you've kept your fitness up, there's an opportune time to make some money as races yep. come back, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just got Anne Hag did a race. Yeah, so I quickly saw this on Facebook and looked it up. And what is the most impressive thing here about Anne Hag? She did a race in France, I assume it's in France, it's a, a half. the triath- Triathlon de la Côte de Butte, I'm not sure where in France it is, but uh, she finished in sixth overall, she had the fastest run through of the day, and, and not just by a little bit, she smoked all the boys by nearly two minutes, so Jeez. she ran a 120.40, and the winner of the race, Clement Mignon, uh, he was just three seconds under Two minutes behind, so a minute fifty-seven, minute fifty-three behind her. She finished sixth overall. You did have some other good athletes in there. You had Kevin uh, Runstarter, and you had Cyril Vino in there as well. So that was bloody impressive to see the world champ uh, smoking it in France last weekend. Oh, we don't have the results for, but we also had Taiwan seventy point three. Uh, the week before, we had a few other seventy point threes happening, John. Yeah, and we had a really strong field in uh, yeah, no. Tallinn, which is uh, in Estonia. They had an iron distance race for age groupers only, men's race. Um, third place Andreas Dreit, second place Sebastian Kienle, and first place Daniel Beckingard from Denmark. And I, I feel really unfortunate mentioning this, but he was the guy who did the funny finish and just got a bit too fired up when he won a race last year. Uh, I think it was Ironman Austria. It was around about that time. And um, yeah, it was just a bit of a bit of what an odd finish. When you say funny finish, what do you mean? Oh, he was just a bit overly aggressive and just uh, sort of in your face. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, a bit of Hulk thing. Hogan. Yeah. A bit and, of professional wrestling. And at the time, you know, the field that he bet there was sort of more of a B-grade field. Yeah. You go, oh, yeah, that's awesome that he won and, he, and he's had some good results. But this, but here, yeah. he's beating, again, two of the top guys in the world and he did it on the run with a 113.56. Uh, so very impressive. We also had Nils Fromhold in the field. So great field. On the female side, you had Katrina Matthews from GBR beating out Maya Stage Nielsen and Kaida Kivova from Estonia in third place. Okay, you're going to have to name the next one. Les Sables? Yep, Les Sables Dallon. Uh, that was another race in France. Rudolf von Berg took that out uh, with a 111.58 on the run in front of Anthony Costas and Peter Hemmerich. So again, quality field. The pros mm-hmm. are all coming out of the woodwork. Uh, and then on the female... David McDermott, he only pulled off a sixth. Yeah, I read his uh, little post that he, he did. He said he was in a world of hurt. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then on the females, you had Justine Mathieu and Alexandra Tondur and Fenella Langridge in third place. Uh, then lastly, we had a 70.3 in... How do you say that one? Uh, I don't know how you say it, but it's Tenea? in Poland. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you recall correctly... Daniela Reef raced here, I think it was last year or the year before, and she just set an amazing time. So it's obviously a very fast course. Um, Magnus Diltlev from Denmark took it out in front of Thomas Davis and Patrick Langer in third place. Guy's never going to win Kona again. Said it once, <laughs> we've said it before. But he did have the fastest run split of a 111.08. God, there's some fast run splits coming out. That, it's amazing when you think it's the end of a half. Yeah. You know, at the end of a bloody 70.3, you're running 111. Oh, my God. Uh, again, quality field. You've got guys like Florian Angert, uh, Rudy Wild, Giglio Molinari down there in the lower part of the top 10, Boris Stein, 11th. Uh, female side, Lisa Norton, uh, Olympian, Olympic medalist, well, took it out by four minutes in front of Carolyn 
Leirider from Germany and Kimberly Morrison in third place. Interestingly, John, you kind of noticed in the Sunshine Coast race that Amelia Watkinson was had the PTO logo on her race. On her sort of uh, race kit. And I noticed yeah. also Rudy Van Berg, who won one of those other races as well. So that'll be good branding going forward. I, I, I did a quick scan of some of the other ones and not everybody was doing it. Um, but they've obviously got a new race kit and then got the PTO. I, I'm really curious to see how... Iron Man is looking at this. Mm. I'd love to see because it's it's the first form of competition. Now I know it's early days. That actually seems credible. Like challenge, don't get me wrong. Challenge is a great competition, but this does seem more like a game changer. And let's be honest, challenge is kind of very aligned to the PTO, so mm. it's got to be good for challenge as well. But it's I, I, I'm, I'm really fascinated. In ten years from now, will we look back in this moment and go, "This is when the sport changed," or will we go, oh, "There's a pity it never took off." Yeah, I think it's they've made the by far the biggest step, steps of any sort of professional group in our well, sport. Having the money makes a big difference, and that moves mm. on to our next piece of news. The PTO have announced that it will provide $20,000 prize purse to the Canadian Pro Triathlon Championship, which is on the September the 12th. Which is on up, last weekend. Yep, which has been. Um, they also announced that they're going to be providing $20,000 to the Beer Lake Brawl Triathlon on September the 19th in Charles, Idaho. So they've also given money to Helvellyn, uh, Davos, and also the end of the year bonus. So they're throwing some money around. Seriously, yeah. I mean, it's not... I mean, yeah, it's, it's 20 grand here or there, but that's still <laughs> 20 grand out of the pot. Uh, so okay, I think it's kind of a philanthropic type thing maybe from the well, guy who's And that's a good it. question. What's the purpose? Hmm. I, I, it's to try I guess and we're going to try to get somebody on I've, I've made some contact with the, the PTO to have a bit of discussion about what is the objective is it just to support the pro athletes to try to keep them somehow involved or is it, is it support is, races yeah is there something else going on here most of these races like I, I don't take the piss out of the Bear Lake Brawl but I often bring it up when I say coming up this weekend it's the Bear Lake Brawl yeah. just because they've got a funny name yeah. and they, they, they never have any pros or anything there nor do uh, Hal Valen. Um they don't they don't really have a pro race there it's, an, it's just an epic so age group is race. it making pros turn up um, so who's getting the 20k well there was a good field at Challenge Davos they but that's a up. good challenge race um, Hal Valen I think they're try- it looks like they're just trying to spread it around the world I saw another announcement this morning I think uh, and there was going to be another one somewhere else so I think they're probably just trying to strategically place it in the different regions to give those pros an opportunity so um, we haven't seen anything in New Zealand or Australia but you know probably uh, you can kind of see they've had one in the UK they've had one in Europe um, now they've got one in the States and maybe they'll have another one elsewhere in the States, we had one in Canada, and so the one in Canada was a bit of an odd one, um, it was basically, a, a, it wasn't even an event as such for age groupers, it was basically the pros getting together and going sort of head to head in a little closed circuit event, and they invited the Olympic distance athletes and um, Ironman athletes, and it was based on your sort of rankings, your PTO ranking or your ITU ranking at the time, and they had a really small field, and then they, they went and did a swim, and then they they took their swim time and they went to another location uh, and, and, it. And, hand, and basically started as per where you came out of the swim and they had a closed circuit I think it was like 1.3 k's or something okay. like that no traffic management required it was all private land uh, and they just did their biking and running around there so yeah it was a bit of a bit of an interesting format um, they did it over the Olympic distance as well and they the winners were Tamara Jewett uh, she took it out in 201 comfortably in front of 
Emily Kritz, who I've never heard of, and Rach McBride, who is a long course athlete. And then on the men's side, uh, Jackson Laundry, who was one of the sort of organisers, uh, he took it out in front of Brent McMahon and Jeremy Briand. So, yeah, interesting format. Well, one thing that's interesting is A, no Ironman races are getting any money, which is not surprising, but um, also, I, I'm just kind of curious, are they thinking we're trying to destroy Ironman? I think we'll ask them that question. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm sure there's a, there's a kind of set of values and just kind of business talk that they have. Um, I, I just think we're in such a fascinating time. So it's good stuff, hey, more money for pros. That's really good. We've talked about this for a long time. So it's good and I just hope it can last a long time. And if you if you are wanting, and I haven't watched much of this, but they've got the PTO hub. They've got so many interviews in there and they look like quite good fun interviews with yep. pros sort of going head to head. So if you do need some content when you're on the trainer, I'm certainly going to start watching a few more of them. And they try to do some controversial sort of stuff and take the piss out of people like who's going to take down Jan Fredino and all this sort of stuff and yeah. uh, it looks quite so good it's fun. interesting mm, rather than you know what training have you been doing this week sort of stuff yeah. so should be good fun okay coming up this weekend it looks like well in a couple of weeks it looks like we might have an Ironman happening in Cairns and we may have a pro Ironman so I, I reached out to good old Torsten said I see Ironman Cairns is on and I've, I looked at the start list and I've got to say the start list is pretty thin and this is age groupers um, because in Australia, um, A, if you're international, you're not going to be able to get there. And they've got travel restrictions all over the country based but on like the states. like a Well, you have to go into isolation for a couple of weeks. So maybe, maybe not. But then but, uh, oh, would you yeah. do that? And then you go, they might pull the carpet out from under you yeah. the day before the race. So probably not worth the risk. But and then you go they into two be. weeks isolation when you come back here. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So four weeks for a bit of a gamble to race it. Looks like it's going to happen, and they did have the Sunshine Coast 70.3, so you assume it's going to happen, but scrolling through the start list, you know, um, of age groupers, it's it's pretty thin, so to give you an example, say the, the, the males, uh, that's males 30 to 34, I'm going to estimate there, there's probably only about 25 names or so Oh, wow, there. so really small. Um, female 30 to 34, two. Is that, uh, wait, that's not, that's, oh wow, that's age group, okay, so it's very small. Uh, but there, there is a 70.3 that runs alongside this, so that'll be propping it up. So, uh, again, if it, you know, you look at the the male 35 to 39, I'm going to say there's definitely less than 50 there, probably sort of in the 30 to 40 region. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. It sounds like there's going to be a pro race. There hasn't been any fields announced yet. Um, Torsten sent me an email. Um, so thanks, Torsten. Where is it? Uh, the prize money is supposed to be $40,000, so it's normally a regional championship, which I think is 125000 and they're going 6, 4, 3, 2, and a half to 1,500, 1,000. Uh, so, yeah, should be, let's hope we see some coverage. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Okay, John, uh, John's ITU update. The Hamburg ITU World Championships have happened. And we did, and uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but a bit controversial because, um, I don't know, it was within two weeks of the event, they said, okay, this is now going to be the World Championships, not yeah. just part of the series because there luck. is no series. <laughs> Good luck. And the athletes were like, some athletes were up in arms saying, you can't, 
A, you can't have a world championship over a sprint distance because it's normally Olympic distance, and B, not everybody can get there, and C, you haven't given us enough notice and everybody's not really in shape. They went ahead with it anyway, and we got world champions crowned, uh, and it was, yeah, some, some pretty good racing. They didn't hold it in the normal venue that they did. Uh, it was out, uh, I think, more on the outskirts of, of Hamburg. Um, really closed race, no crowds whatsoever. They must have closed this whole lake off, pretty short laps. Uh, the females' side of things was not overly interesting on the run because Georgia Taylor-Brown just spanked them on the run. Um, not massive gaps, but she just uh, was in command, in control, and pulled away from the lead group and took it out in front of Flora Duffy. So really stoked to see Flora Duffy back racing and back racing really well. She goes better over Olympic distance than she does over sort of sprint. Uh, Laura Linderman was in third place. Um, probably one of the ones that was a little bit disappointing was Katie Zavera. She faded to fifth place. And you always know, if you're watching an ITU race and you see one of the favourites coming into transition and they're like one of the last ones out of transition, you almost always go, they're not going for it. Because someone like Katie Zaveris is always, almost always one of the first out of transition, yeah. aggressive out front, and she was last out of the group of, I can't remember how many it so was. So her attitude is I'm just here like, today. She ain't, she ain't cranking it, but she yeah. still did well. Jess, Jess Learmonth, um, she also faded quite badly on the run, but uh, finished seventh. High-quality field. Um, now, a few people missing, but not many. Is it the right person won it? Yeah, well, she, she's backed up. We'll talk about the next race in a moment, but she's backed it up a week later. But she's, you'd say she's the best best runner at the moment. Okay. Uh, well, so. no, so, you know, like, because it's been a funny situation this year, obviously not being a full distance and the way the year's worked out. You still hope that, Someone of that caliber of representative still wins the race, mm. and I know in the men's race we can say that's the case, but I was just wondering mm. in the females. Yeah, on the, no, the she's dead. she's pretty consistent, but um, normally you'd say Katie Zaveris or one of the others might take it, but yep. she's she's stepping up, so it's good to see. Men's race was really good. There was, uh, you know, it came down to the run. Well, no, uh, you had a group being really aggressive on the bike early, and this is the Alistair Brownlee factor is amazing. Uh, so he was back in it. And when he's done some of his previous sort of short course races in his comeback, uh, he hasn't really been that competitive. Yeah. And, he, and he hasn't necessarily been right up there in the swim. In the swim, he was uh, in second place, got on the bike. And, and traditionally, it, he's always been a strong swimmer, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like he was out the back door in the previous swims, but he wasn't at the front where he normally is. Yeah. Got on the bike, and just the, the Brownlee factor, and Jonathan Brownlee was there as well. So he just went crazy like drove it, and, and, the, and a break got away. And it was largely because of him. The others were all contributing, but just having him in there, I think, probably egged them on a little bit more. Uh, so that was so great. So where did he lose it? Uh, he oh, just lost it on the run. Enough. Yeah. Uh, so they drove a really good group out the front and eliminated quite a few of the contenders from getting on the podium. So the break held. I think off the top of my head, they maybe only had about 20 seconds, but 20 seconds over 5K is yep. enough to eliminate you from winning the race normally. So Alex Yee uh, was the fastest runner, uh, and he came from the second group and ran up to fifth place. So he, he did run you know, 15 seconds quicker than um, than Vincent Louis, who won the race in front of Vasco Valasha and Leo Now, was Bergier. it a sprint finish? Because I see that Vincent won by two seconds. Was it a sprint finish, or did he... Not quite, but it was Close. the closing stages that it was, it was decided. So you kind of had this feeling that Vincent Louis was probably going to take it but they still they ran as a pack and just whittled it down um, and Alistair Brownlee ran pretty well um, still hung on to ninth place but you know he's 20, 21 seconds slower than Vincent Louis and that was with a bit of an ease up at the finish by Vincent Louis so he finished in ninth place pretty, still pretty good very competitive field 
I'm kind of curious about the psychology of Alistair Brownlee right now because in his peak, he just had another gear. Hmm. You know, and he could just, and, and mentally, he just knew he could break people. Like, I just, I didn't watch a lot of the racing in his peak, but I just never forget that London Olympics. He, you would, you know, he just kept hammering all day, mm. you know, and he just knew that everyone, he'd beat everyone. He was just that confident. Now, when he turns up to a race, he's a competitor in a race, you know, he's not the dominator, and you don't have that, that top end. And, well, you know, he's still getting ninth in the world, but. I think he'll be a bit better over Olympic distance. You know, this is a sprint, and traditionally he was not quite as good at sprints, and okay. he did get beaten occasionally. Um, but over Olympic, if he can hold that sort of pace and form, I think he'll probably go a little bit better over the Olympic compared to some of the younger guys that might uh, sort of just run out of steam. But I wonder bit. how you just internally kind of navigate this part of your career. Mm. You know, like um, when you're in that place where you just aren't what you used to be, you're still really close. And, you know, not writing him off in the future, but, you know, it's, it's not the, what he was like in the past. And just how do you deal with that within yourself? I'll tell you how he navigated it. He, you know, it was, a, it was only a 49-minute race, but that's 49 minutes of redlining it. Yeah. And then he immediately got on a plane, flew home, and then the next morning he's doing the half Ironman in Helvellyn. And he won it too, didn't and he? he won that. Because wow. I'd said that the week before. I said he's entered in both of them, so I assume he's going to get subbed out or he's not going to do both. But he did. He turned around uh, and then went and, and won Hal Vallon. Jeez. Very impressive. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Okay. Um, we also had another triathlon result. We did. Uh, so this was uh, the last weekend. So the, the, the World Championship race was two weekends ago, and then they backed it up with a not quite the same strength field, but still bloody strong. Uh, they went to Karlovy Vary, um, in the Czech Republic. Haven't watched the coverage yet, but I, I believe the bike course is very difficult. And when I look at Flora Duffy's time, uh, she did one hour 10 on the bike for 40 Ks. <laughs> so that really indicates that it's uh, it's gonna be, it's a tough course, and if it's maybe it's been a little bit long, I'm not sure, but that's bloody tough. I look, hopefully there's some good coverage, and we can watch that. So Flora Duffy back on top, uh, and doing it on the run, and this is the difference. So just discussed. So the week before, over a sprint distance, she got beaten, um, and when it comes to Olympic distance, off a tough bike ride, she absolutely crushed everybody. So she ran 35:34 compared to Georgia Taylor Brown. Who had won convincingly on the run the week before was you know a minute, minute and a half slower than her over ten k's, and so that shows the difference between having a really tough bike ride, what that can do to people's runs, run legs. So yep. uh, very impressive by Flora Duffy, and then on the boys' side we had uh, Vincent Louis who's showing he's the form athlete of the last couple of years really, uh, beating out Vis. V- Visco Velazia, who was second last week as well, and Yellow Greens in third. So here's a good question for you. If he mm. doesn't win the Olympic gold next year, do you think he'll, like, because he would have been the Olympic favourite? Yes. Yeah, no, he'll, uh, uh, yeah, I would put my money on him, I would imagine. Yeah, but if he doesn't win next year, there's going to be a big what if. There will be. The challenge he's got is he's probably the best all round athlete, but there's other guys that can run the same pace as him. Yeah. Uh, and again, this example here, Yellow Greens, who was in third, he ran 45 seconds quicker than him. So if it comes down to just a run in Tokyo, which is a reasonably high chance that it will, yeah, then it opens up a lot of other runners into the equation. 
Okay, John, let's look at last week's discussion. So we've been away a couple of weeks. The discussion was, let me pull it up right now. The discussion was, what triathlon-related equipment or product have you used or consumed that you would not use again and why? You want to go first? Yeah, um, Ned Phillips' speed suits. They are awesome. Would love to use, again, as I swim like a brick, but not allowed. So you're allowed some speed suits, but you're not really allowed the buoyancy ones. Okay, Duncan Peebles says there's a... Heaps of other podcasts that aren't worth listening to. Anything where my head chooses cheaper versions, versions, but my heart wants the expensive version. It always results in future upgrading. So don't buy the cheap product. Yeah. Well, there's there's a fine line with that one, isn't there? Yeah. There you is. know, like you, you do you, you buying crap sometimes, mm. but then something like like levers for your bike. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to buy expensive levers for your bike. Yeah. Um, but there are but, but there are sometimes where you go, you know what? Spend the extra money. Daryl Reed, form goggles, very narrow field of view and difficult to see who's what's around. They're also leaky and I can't wait to go back to my $30 goggles. Oh, Interesting you, you say that because I actually really enjoy my form goggles. Someone asked me this morning at the pool, I said, oh, how are you finding the goggles? And I said, I'm actually getting a little bit addicted to them now. And it's going to be just because I've got all the information in oh, front of you. But um, goggle-wise, you find they're okay? They don't affect, they don't bother me. So yeah. goggles are a bit of a finicky thing. Yeah. Um, so if they don't fit you, that is an expensive error to make. Um, but I find, I'm finding them really good. So this, like this morning, we did, we were doing 15 miles. Oh, I've got to add that to the show. Oh, here we go. Don't, don't, don't tell it now. Okay, well, we did a set and we're at the finish and uh, Tyrone, who's one of my swimming buddies, he was in third wheel and I was at the back. He said, I think we're one short. I said, no, nah, goggles don't lie. Hey. It's bang on. Goggles don't lie. Stuart Martin Lawrence has got elastic laces for Ironman races. Um, as my feet get hot, I find them dis- difficult to adjust. Standard laces can be a lot more comfortable. Silly, but it makes a difference to me. I still go elastic. I've got no problems with elastic in races. Yep. So sorry to be disagreeing with all our listeners. Um, Brian P. Schwind, base salt, caused me to projectile vomit at Ironman Court Lane 2015. And Dave Dowdy said, Gatorade, let's just say it didn't stay in the system too long. So you definitely want to be trying your sports nutrition extensively in training before you try anything in racing. Definitely. David Rose got at one of the aid stations at Ironman Lanzarote in 2019. I was given a licorice... Flavoured gel. Ooh, I can't stand licorice. <laughs> Neither. This, I, I'll eat pretty much everything. Licorice is not for me. Yeah. It was foul. Proper. Let's do an English accent. Proper disgusting. <laughs> uh, did the job though, and I had to put up with it until I could wash away the taste. Um, there's quite a few nutrition ones here. Julian Schwartz said hot shots. That's a little um, sort of. I don't know if it's pickle juice or something like that that you can get that's supposed to be a cramp, cramp stopper. Oh, okay. Never actually tried it when cramping, but had a couple of taste, uh, taste tests. The intense mixture of cinnamon, hot pepper, and God knows what else is sure to cure the muscle cramp or at least take your mind off it while you're vomiting your guts out. Oh, have you done David Petzer? No. Okay, David petzer has got head uh, sports drink from Hammond Nutrition. Took a sip of it during a race at the aid station and immediately spat it out. Not a fan of the flavour. Nice. Remember, remember Gatorade did that one that was extra salty. Yes. Oh my god, that was disgusting. You yeah. Could, like you know, I got the practical, you know, the reason for using it, but oh, it was disgusting. Uh, Mick Simpson says aftershock bone conducting headphones for in the pool. There's no way I can concentrate on a quality swim with them on. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've never tried listening to anything in the pool. I have. Um, it's it was it's a little bit unclear. 
Mm. So, you know, well, this is years ago. This, so it might be a lot better now, but mm. yeah. Uh, Chris, I'm going to say Hanoran. Han, um, has got soft ride bike. I really did not find it that soft. So for those that haven't been around the sport for that long, a soft ride bike was like a, one of the beam bikes. So if you've seen the what are they, the diamond bikes now, it was kind of like that, but a little bit more rudimentary. Uh, they were around Greg Frayne, not Greg Frayne, Greg... Greg Welch won Hawaii Ironman. Let's say, what year did he win? I'm going to say 80... Nah. I'm going to say it wasn't 80s. It was, I'm going to say, I think about 94. Something okay, about here we then. go. Here we go. I think 90. Let's, let's say 94. No, because that's when Mark, Mark was dominating. Because he won 89 the first time and then he won like six more, didn't he? Yeah, Greg Welch won it when Mark, Mark Allen was on his hiatus. So it's probably, like, probably like 90... Okay. I reckon 94. I'm going to 94 and 95. I'm going to say 96. Okay. <laughs> um, Brent Rogers said the bike. And then what else have we got in here? I think we've covered most of them. Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Okay, I'm in World Championships. Uh, good old Wikipedia will help us. Uh, Arnold Sulikoff said, I got handed a hot shop on top of, top of Polani. Nearly ended my race. Again, there's lots of nutrition ones here. Got to practice things. But I to- totally know what people are saying. If you're in that space where you just... Got to have something, got to have something. But more often than not, you're okay, going to pay so, the price. So, okay, so why did Mark not do that race? Was he just injured or something? Can't recall why. And what happened in the race? Dave Scott got second by four minutes. So was Dave close to winning? or was He it? was cut. Dave Scott, from memory, had a horrific bike. Well, one year he had a horrific bike ride. Maybe that wasn't that one. I think one year when Dave Scott came back, he had a horrific bike ride and ran his way up to about fifth. That might have been when he was older, eh? Because I remember yeah. he was like 42 and it was yeah. phenomenal. So Dave Scott, I think he was coming on to Greg Welsh, but uh, never never caught him. Yep. Um, so what year was it? Uh, 94. Yes. Well, you did have two guesses. But, but. <laughs> First one. <laughs> so Lick Van Leer won 20, 2000, oh, sorry, 1996. Did Mark race that year or did he retire? No, he was gone by then. So he officially retired. I'm sure he? he was, yeah. So he didn't try to hang around at the end. Yeah. But then Luke Van Leer, that's when it kind of went, he did the 804. Mm. That's when he, although Mark, the record was 807, so it wasn't that far off it. But, you know. That was on debut, Luke Van Leer as well. First, I'm not sure if it was his first ever Ironman, um, but it was definitely his first time in Kona. And was he a good short course guy? Uh, that year he was. He won, he got second behind Simon Lessing, and the lead up to that race uh, at the ITU World Champs in Cleveland, Ohio. Joe, was there was there a discussion around maybe help? Well, one year he was. <laughs> if you know what I mean, if you're one, in between one lines. year he was in Kona and and left the island like he was there to race, and then he just de- oh. departed. So yeah, there was a few questions asked, and um, I don't think he was the only one who suggestions have been made they, mm. they got help along the way in their career mm. um okay john let's talk about this week's discussion what's the best endurance sports moment you have seen since we've had a return to racing in some parts of the world there's not many so what's the best endurance sport mm. but not the triathlon that's why we're endurance sports yep i'm loving the tour de france right now well, so. even i watch some of it john oh it's gold and you know what i can get why you got hooked on it because mm. when we were in tekapo my mate jeff's right into it and you get up in the morning. It's perfect time. Mm-hmm. They'll often be live or finishing or doing a replay. Mm-hmm. You'd be having some breakfast. Tell you what, it's advertising for France, isn't it? It's just beautiful. And the camera work is phenomenal. Mm. And yesterday's stage was pretty interesting. It was indeed. Has he got it? Uh, 
He's definitely in the box seat, so Roglic, for those who aren't watching it, has got 40-second lead over a young compatriot of his, and they finished the, the tour, the second-to-last stage, though, as an individual time trial, and Roglic is a good time trialist. So Oh, really? The second-to-last stage is... And it's an uphill time trial as well. Oh, that's a good way to finish it. Yeah, so it... Because um, you, could, you could lose it, couldn't you? Oh, totally. You've seen people... You haven't seen... Well, you know, you've seen one very good example of someone losing it by a second on the final really? stage. Um, yeah. When was that? That was Greg... Le Monde and Laurent Fignon and that was on the Champs-Elysees and that was the first time aero bars were introduced into cycling. And they both have them? No. Uh, Le Monde had aero bars uh-huh. and the other guy was just a passionate French man. He said, I'm not wearing, having no aero bars. And next uh, year he did. And he lost it. <laughs> by one by second. One second. Yeah. How cool was that? Yeah, so that was pretty cool. So you'd say that Roglic is in the box seat but anything can happen. You have a bad day and well, the uh, other the guy who went last year to bed day. He said he got smoked. But I'm also loving because I've got a fantasy team going. How's your fantasy? Uh, you been Thomas? Yeah, I'm, I'm in a I'm in a commanding spot. I've got somebody in our league. So you get in touch with us, whoever that is, who's in the lead, and he's smoking it. Cycling weekly. Uh, he's he's beating me, but I'm coming back in the next few days. So you're sick of it, yeah? I've stacked my team. I am ready, good to go. Oh, fantasy league. Yeah. Okay, you Let's talk about a sponsor. You can, so you can maintain stable blood sugar and that's definitely one of the things I first found when we were using it myself and the Philinator and the Holy Hammer, just sort of saying your head stays a lot clearer when you're out doing your long rides rather than those spikes up and down. It's got advanced absorption and backed by plenty of science. Um, They've also got some recipes on on the website as well which you can go check out for making sort of smoothies with you can, you can make some uh, sorbet, Uh, what else have they got on there? Lemon cherry tart. Um, so yeah, if you want to get any recipes, go to youcan.co uh, slash, and then uh, just type in recipes, and you'll be able to find it. Uh, so you can check all that out. Um, we've got. We'll mention the promo codes at the end of the show, where you can go and get your you can test it out. Uh, and I've got to say, I've been hitting it fairly hard lately with our long rides. So we've just sort of slowly starting to crank up our long rides as we prepare for. Epic Camp so New Zealand. So you got a crew, so you'll post on your, your social media. Yep. Uh, and so to give people an example of how I've been using it, so a few weeks ago we did uh, a ride that was about four hours long. I'd take, uh, and I'd do that, not fasted, I'd get up, but I wouldn't have anything except for you can. I'd have a, a serving of their, their drink before going out on the ride, and then one of their bars, and that's all I'd have for, for four hours with no breakfast or anything like that. Get home, ride as rain, no problems. So uh, it is a different way to fuel yourself, um, and I really enjoy it. So, yeah, listen up for the promo codes later on. Give it a try. As we heard in the discussion of the week, it is quite a unique flavor. Um, quite a few people have have no issues with, with it whatsoever, um, but it is a very different consistency. So I encourage you to get some some sample packs, try it out, use it for a few rides, and uh, get into a group. We, I have so much positive feedback down here in NZ. So, so it is very much just kind of giving yourself some time to adapt to the different flavors, the different mm. feel. When you're introducing yourself to it, what's the best approach? Um, firstly, you've got to get used to the, the flavor. Yep. And so you'd want to do that on a few shorter sessions, maybe if you're going for a two-hour bike ride. Uh, and then you want to just slowly start introducing it to your longer sessions and have some emergency fuel on, on board ready to go if, you, if you're starting to bonk. Because the product's not... 
it's not like a golden bloody yeah. ticket um, and you need to be metabolically efficient enough to be able to start to tap into your fat stores but it's going to help you to do that so there is that adaption A to the product and B to actually start to tap into your fat stores more efficiently on your long rides now I mentioned those long rides that I've did if I, if I was going and doing a four hour ride as hard as I possibly could then I'm going to need to do have have quite a bit more. But for a fairly low endurance um, ride, it's going to be sufficient, and I can use my fat as as a fuel. Fuel when it comes to actually racing, you've heard myself and others talk about it. Then you start to have a bit more of a combination of your your more complex carbs and the you can. So yeah. So would you Trial say? And error. Would you say when you first start it, you just do it in a few easier sessions to get used to it? Mm. Yep. And um, you do need to be careful. It's like, like a lot of sports drinks products. Um, when it starts to get warm, it's not going to be particularly tasty, but that's the same with most sports yeah. drinks. So if you're in the middle of your summer and you're going out for a, a ride and it's going to be 100 bloody degrees Fahrenheit, I'd be encouraging you to have it fairly early in your ride. Uh, oh, get... I know you're right, you yep. Or you can just take what I'm going to do this weekend. We're doing a long ride. Um, you can get the sachets, and I'm going to be topping up one uh, when I'm sort of midway through the ride. You wouldn't want to do 100 degrees in Celsius. You would not. No, mention that. Yeah. How long would you survive? It would be yeah. 10 seconds, game over. Uh, we'll talk about the promo codes at the end, guys, but you can is a great sponsor of the show, so support the sponsor. John, do you want to, we'll do an interview, eh? Okay. We've got an interview. Uh, it's from my podcast, actually. We've interviewed a man by the name of Brad Moore. He is an assistant all-black coach. If you don't know about the all-blacks, it's arguably one of the most successful sports teams in the history of organized sport. Uh, they basically have nearly a 90% winning rate. Um Big legacy, but Brad's this guy who's a very passionate man about helping people just be better people. And it's very much just a sit-down conversation with a guy who's pretty passionate and lots of gold nuggets in this conversation. So check it out. Here is Brad Moore. Right, I've got uh, Brad Moore next to me. Welcome along to the show, Brad. Cheers, Bevan. He's Great like, to be he's, here. I don't get many people in my, in my studio or in my house <laughs> for, for, uh, for this show, so thank you for coming over to the house. Um, where do I start with you? I, one thing I, I really admire about you, and I think I want to talk about your career more than maybe how you work with other people. Um, I, 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 I've known you kind of because your wife's good friends and my wife, and we've kind of had a few conversations over the years. Uh, I remember we met up for a coffee a long time ago, and you were coaching a local rugby club doing pretty well as a coach at a local rugby club. And you were a pretty successful lawyer at that time. And I think at that time you were looking to get into sports management. That was kind of the goal at that moment. Uh, you know, now you've got this opportunity where you're, you know, coaching team of one of the best, most successful sports teams in the world. What, what did it take within yourself to let go of a life that was very secure, um, you know, that was in a pretty good place? You know, you're a successful lawyer, good opportunity. I know coaching was the passion, but so many people live a life where they go, you know what, I want to live the patient life, but they're, they're stuck. What, yeah. what allowed you to, to make the choice to be where you are today? We've gone deep quick. Yeah, we're, good, around. Mate. we're, we're in. Around. Um, awesome to be here. Thanks for the opportunity, and, and uh, what a lovely spot to sit down and have a yarn with a, with a mate. You're good. Fantastic. Go ahead, go. Outstanding. Um, gosh, when you, when you put it like that, it all sounds a bit like a pick and mix, doesn't it? Yeah. There, was a, there was a fair bit going on. You're right. We were um, uh, coaching at Christchurch Football Club and and uh, and developing a little bit of a sports practice in the in the legal um, aspect of of my my life with Cavill Leach Law. So doing some player agency work and just started out by helping young men who are in our club side who are finding their way through the professional game and starting to sign contracts. Well, I can look at that for you if you if you like and you build relationships. So. Um, 
doing that and and uh, and and yeah, I was in a really secure role with with Cavill Leach, just just entering or well, just started partnership. Yeah, so so role. that's what the lawyers aim for in the career. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean it would be gone greater. And, and what I think I'm really grateful for is is having been um, seem to be surrounded by outstanding people yeah. at, um, right through, and you can um, through school, um, through university, through. Through work and uh, magnificent mentors, likes of um, some people might know of Ian Pringle and Jim Keegan in the law, who uh, Ian, Ian's passed on now, but uh, and Jim's still well and truly alive and and is now a great mate. Um, so you, you, you just I've been surrounded by those people and watch how how they operate. And then um, look, I've always loved rugby, always loved people, um, and and when I started coaching at Christchurch, just felt it straight away, loved it. And I was reading a book uh, from Good to Great, oh, yeah. and yeah, I can Jim remember Collins. reading it. And, and uh, yeah, Jim Collins, and there's a number of things I draw back on uh, from that book at different stages. And um, one aspect would be of recent times, particularly around the pandemic, is the Stockdale paradox, which um, people can never look at, but we can perhaps talk about that later. But in in uh, Good to Great, it talks about these three converging circles of um, of, of with your life and choosing to do something that that is um, that you're passionate about and you, you love doing um, that that is uh, something that you you can be it talks about being world class that, that's that's a little bit stand on soapbox for me I just say something you can be really good at yeah. and uh, and that it can drive your economic engine and where those three circles converge if you can if you can operate your life. Uh, in that space, which I know you guys do, mm. then uh, then you're not working, you're yeah. living, yeah. and you're thriving. And and um, and when I looked at that, I said, well, yeah, I, I love the law for what it um, for the people I work with and work for, yep. so clients and the, and my colleagues and and uh, the people part of it, fantastic. The actual law part, it's, um, trying to find a win-win, solving issues. Yes, I like that, but I wasn't really passionate about it. Couldn't see myself being sixty. And logging in, yeah, yeah, coming into the office, logging in. That the bits that I'd remember on retirement would be the people part, not the the deal parts. Yeah. And so yeah, um, so I think that that was a, a, a thought process, and and when I thought about those three things, you know, those three converging circles, well, what is it? Coaching is the space. So I was having a bit of a dollar each way with everything, I suppose, by by starting to coach at club level, by doing some sports management stuff, and um, and player contracts, and and also um, uh, uh, the law. So it was well, let's see how this rolls. But um, for me, the the ability to get into coaching as a career, so I never talk about it being professional coaching. I think I was professional coaching. When I was coaching club, I just wasn't being paid. Yeah. It's a mindset rather than being whether you're getting paid for it. So I was coaching as a volunteer, so voluntary coaching versus career coaching. So I thought, well, the opportunity for me to get into career coaching because I'd never played at a professional level, so I didn't have that yeah, that, that leg yeah, in. Of course, yeah. Well, what's my path going to be? No, no one owes me anything. I'm not owed a path. Um, how am I going to do that? Well, either it's going to be just keep doing what I'm doing and, and it'll take time and you'll build a bit of street cred and yeah. you know, we opportunity to do something at a Canterbury level maybe or, or whatnot. Or or it'll be coattailing 
um, someone. So someone will get an opportunity and they'll say, mate, I want you to come with me. Yeah. And uh, it was a little bit of both. So I coached the club side, the Colts, for one year, the under-21 side, and then the senior side for, for four years. And great timing because we had a hell of a playing roster. Okay. And we d- and did well. And also was, I coached with some superb people. Um, and and uh, again, really grateful for that. Made heaps of mistakes and learned a lot. And and uh, and then uh, and been supported by some some awesome coaching uh, mentors. And then coached. Then went from that to the Canterbury Colts. So the Canterbury under twenty one side, which was then the next the feeder to to Canterbury. And again, outstanding group. Um, and then that was 2011 and then 2012 came along and the head coach of that, Craig Philpott, went off to Hawke's Bay and uh, so I had the opportunity to, to interview for the, the head coach role and, and was positioned in that and then we were putting our, our people together for the support crew and um, that's when Matt Sexton came to me with the opportunity to go to the Kings. So it was about oh, March so you went 2012, to South Africa, went to South Africa yeah. first. So that was the opportunity to say, well, Okay, here's a chance. Are we dipping the toe in or are we diving in? Yeah. And, and so this um, stage you're still doing your career? Yeah, yeah, still at the law. So the earthquakes had come through. We'd, we'd, we'd lost our, our building in, in Clarendon Tower in the middle of town and we were out at um, um, yeah, Hazeldean, yeah, yeah, I think. Jeez, yeah. um, I can't remember the name of it, but in Addington. Mm. Um, yep. And uh, and we were there at the time, so operating there and uh, Matt Sexton, he was the Canterbury, um, well, the Crusaders Academy manager at the time. Said, "Mate, catch up for a coffee." So, sort of worked in really closely with him around the Canterbury Colts team. And I thought, "Oh, that'd be great because I, I want him to have a role with the team." So we started talking, and had this sort of mind map on paper. I was talking through that, and he said, "Oh, mate, I just need to talk to you about something else." And so the way it went. Wow. So, what's that moment like? Because okay, so so that's a real jump off moment, isn't it? That's where we're going for this. Um, what's it like moment for you personally? But also, I know you're a family man. Yeah. Uh, what's you know? Because I, I do want to talk about the family commitment to your career because that's such a big thing. Um, but what's that moment like for you personally? Oh, goosebumps. Yeah. Because it's not a decision for for us. It wasn't a decision. Let's say for us, for for Anna, my wife, and and I, that wasn't a decision made in 2012 to go and coach in South Africa. The, the actual opportunity to go to South Africa. And, and get and that job, yes, that was. But our decision was probably made about five or six years earlier once I started coaching at Christchurch Football Club and said, geez, I, I love this. Yeah. Um, this is this is spinning my wheels. And and so we that was a conversation having at the time that we then go, okay, well, what can, we can make a commitment to this. So that for me, that meant uh, throwing myself into every opportunity I could yeah. to get to get as um, much improvement as I could into the technical, tactical part of coaching, the people part of coaching, the mm. the, the how, the science of it, the art of it. Um, so you're singular focus on developing your trade. Hundred yeah, percent, and that okay. sort of you quietly go along and almost doing a, a, a you, you're doing an apprenticeship yeah. that no one else knows you're doing because yeah, yeah. there's no graduation point. Yeah, yeah. you don't get the certificate at the end, mate. That's <laughs> it, and. Yeah. And uh, so for us, that was that. And then with that choice, there came other things like, okay, well, that means I'm not going to be going, I'm not going to take up golf. and Because you just can't, yeah. you think about it, you, in, a, in a law firm coaching, building this little um, sports management practice. And, and, uh, and we, at, at that stage, we were um, 
uh, well, 2006, first child born, 2008, 2010, the next ones, and, and it's sort of like, okay, um, <clears throat> what other choices will you make that, that allow you to do that? So, because I think coaching the club side probably took, took 20, 25 hours a week yeah. to do properly, and, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and we owed it to the players to do properly, and my um, co-coaches at different stages, Andrew Langley and, and Dwayne Prendergast, fully committed and uh, and and awesome, you know, you drive the energy. So that was the commitment. So at the time of 2012, it was like, here we go. Mm. This is this is this is the moment. Yeah, you planted the seed way back here. You, you, one thing you, I love what you talk about, how you communicate, because you talk about we and the decision that we Anna and I made this decision. You know, the Kings was the that build up moment of that apprenticeship to an opportunity. Um, but before that, you five years earlier, you'd sit down with your wife and you said. I found my passion. I want to make a life. Yeah. Um, and it's a wee decision. Oh, massively. And and um, I think I think that that we in the position of, of being the person. So the me part of that yeah. is is uh, we make choices, and the the people around us make sacrifices. Yeah, especially in your role. So massively, yeah. Yeah. you know. We, so that was pick the family up. So we had a. Uh, Five-year-old, a four-year-old, a, a two-year-old, and and um, and take them to South Africa, yeah. Elizabeth. <laughs> and from the outside, mate, this was like people were going, "Wow, what a you're mad! This is crazy." No, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we were right. We've done our homework. We went back ourselves. Yep, we get it. It's we get it. South Africa. We get it. It's a new team into Super Rugby. Understand? But I'm gonna go and do a good job, yep. and it's it's gonna lead to something. And um. Yeah, so we're, we're, that's why it's a we, because you can't just make that decision yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, we, we are living our lives, yeah. and, uh, and a decision to go and do that impacts on that immediate group of four people, uh, your parents, the, your wider family, your in-laws, yeah. um, your friends, and, and whatnot. And, and very, very importantly at that stage, a, a group of colleagues in, in the legal firm who have invested in me mm. to... Uh, and, and, and seen a, a future there, and you you going and, and saying, um, "See you later." Yeah. Need to have a chat. So yeah. well, let's talk about the relationship side of it because I find that I find it really fascinating because I think a lot of people are in relationships and they may know the passion but they're afraid, you know. And so, from your perspective, what what do you think? Because as you say, you are the person who's probably a bit more singular focused on the rugby side of it. What do you need to be aware of to make sure Anna's and the family is looked after? What do you within yourself? What yeah. do you keep to prioritisation within your own self to make sure this is a, a, a good thing for the whole family? Um, well, I think it's think it's being grounded, and you're having a, a great you're having great conversations about what, how can our family thrive? Yeah, okay. Would will our th- family thrive if if we go and do this? What an adventure that could be! If it doesn't work out, well, we've got things we can fall back on. You've plan A, plan B. Yeah. Was probably have plan A and then about plan C or D because <laughs> you, you sort of got to make plan A work, don't yeah, you? Yeah. But um, it, it, I think it's I think it's just having the, the the grounding to say, well, the we's a lot stronger than the me. Mm. We have to be happy. Um, I mean, we, we've moved to South Africa and then from there we Southern. went. Yeah, Southland. Yeah. We had three months in Spain yeah. in between that, so it's lovely we yeah. sabbatical. Uh, when we got home, end of twenty um, thirteen, 
we didn't have a uh, a job at that stage, so it was like, well, okay, give ourselves a period of time to. What's that moment like? Um, liberating oh, okay. a bit. Okay, so it wasn't scary. Not not scary from the aspect of um, having got a job. Yeah. Like, always look after yourself. You've got to cover your butt to yeah. make sure that um, going into contracts and coming out of contracts, you're protected. But uh, I think that we we had enough. Um, planning in place to not not be in support to, mm. to it not being scary and go okay well if it gets to that point we're back in the law yeah, or yeah. going into player management or, or whatever it may be but then the opportunity came up to to apply for the Southland job so we applied for that and, and um, it was like three hats uh, as head coach of the Southland Stags um, director of coaching and and in a, in a new role for head of high performance, so to try and bring everything in. So it was um, awesome, awesome opportunity and grounding. But that meant we came back from um, South Africa to Spain to, to be back at the in-laws in, in, uh, over in Church Bay <laughs> to then uh, pack the car up and, and head down to Vicargo. Yeah. Um, and, wow, what, what, a, what a... And again, you know, that's a family decision. Okay, well, again... How does it fit? What what's the um, what's the end game? You never know really know what the end game is, mm. but again, go and do a good job and learn and um, and and let's let's uh, create a program that you can really really be excited about. So, what was it like going to Southland? Um, for those, this is a very international audience. So, for those who don't know, we live in Christchurch, and Christchurch is a very traditionally strong rugby union, yeah. um, very successful, kind of good infrastructure, good development, and so on. Then you go to Southland, which at the time probably wasn't in a very strong place. What was yeah. it like, kind of going from a place like Christchurch, or was it? I don't actually know. Tell me about it. Um, do the homework and understand what we're going into, and I think it's a really strong uh, rural and provincial uh, city and, and province mm-hmm. uh, in Vicargo, and then um, the pr- provincial uh, towns around it. Um, people are at the heart of that. O- awesome, yeah. Uh, sheep and beef farming and, and dairy farming. It's yeah. it's it's soul of the earth. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. Um, hardworking people. Hardworking yeah. people who um, who just want to see you uh, again connecting, connecting and 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 uh, and not being ahead of yourself and just um, putting your shoulder to the wheel. For the for the for the cause and and uh, again met some magnificent people who were the the greatest strength is, was its people and I think go back to one of your earlier questions about um, how do you think about the we and the family and and you can never sole focus on your own career or you think about the wider bit is it's all a people game mm. so life's relationships and people so to me that that if it, you can't be tunnel visioned and, and, and singularly focused if, mm. if you if you buy into this is about people. It's not about the person. Yeah. One person. It's about every person. Yeah. So um we 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 loved uh we loved our time in South and met some great like I said, met some great people. We had awesome neighbours. It was like the next thing the kids have pulled the panels down on the fence so they could yeah. go straight <laughs> yeah, between yeah. the houses. We couldn't find the youngest one day and he's he's four by then. Uh, we couldn't find him one morning, but he'd gone next door, found their key, and gone into the into the old back and through the back door into the kitchen and found their lolly jar. <laughs> so he's sitting there having breakfast, <laughs> which is a great representation of what you created, isn't right. it? Right, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
uh, all along we've just met these these wonderful people the the team itself was um uh it was still uh strong and and it was in in the so second division of the national competition so the two divisions of seven it was a, a semi-final type side in there could um, knock off a top side, but consistency was really difficult. Okay. Just, just genuine depth. Yeah, like you'd play a Canterbury and 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 they'd have eleven, twelve Super Rugby players in it. So that the the professional, the truly professional league, and then we'd um, and 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 they'd pull, they'd you know three or four would come off the bench as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and we might have four. Yeah. And they're all starting. We need them all right. Yeah. But. Uh, but what it did was 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 helped really um, develop the team aspect to the coaching, not just relying on good people. And we had some great times. You know, it was um, some superb stuff. But again, the the people part of that and the, and a grounding of a, of a, of coaching a team and being in a in a provincial union that that doesn't have hasn't have the massive resource mm-hmm. and set up. You know, the 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 gym they're in a in a great place now in the in the um, ILT stadium was you know, the, the the licensing trust down there superb support for the community and uh, they they've now moved the gym that was starting we started to talk about that then moved the gym for example from the rugby park site to the to the velodrome middle of the velodrome and get a bit of buzz and high performance yeah. happening around you and whatnot because the the gym we had so it leaked when it rained and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it rains a bit down south <laughs> and, um, uh, and whatnot now it creates really good buy-in to let's work hard mm. but also you want to give your, your people every opportunity they can to be the best they can mm. with decent facilities and whatnot and it's great to see that they've they've moved into that space now and and in, a, in an area like that you find that people share resources really well otherwise nothing gets done oh, okay so the different sports are working together and yeah. it's not one set up here and another there and another there and all over town they sort of mm. work together to see how can how can everybody who's got their head in the trough looking for the same sort of community support and local government support etc let's actually work together to mm. have one yeah one yeah. base and whatnot so there's good good um lessons in that what, what, what did, you, did you learn from that time as a coach that maybe you wouldn't have learned if you didn't go there um oh mate we we were really fortunate that we we found a way to to um to contract the likes of Lima Sopawanga yep uh in into the stags and uh so it's it's like, very good player know, for people overseas too. Yeah, yeah if you yeah. put people in the states that these plays fly halves is but like in your, it's getting good your quarterback, quarterback yeah. in place yeah um cuz we were really hard working forwards good boys yeah. they they do that really well so it's that's the big um the grunt men and and uh, so we just needed a, needed some some direction there so great support to get him on board and I think just just learning that if you want to be you, you, you know you can get like I talked about consistency before if you want to be great coach coach great players as, yeah. as, as much as you can and yeah. and uh, and things work yeah so um, but also massive uh, I still I'm still a young coach now but it's, um, very young and raw, raw then, and had a um, couple of um, superb assistant coaches. One, Hawani uh, McDonald's now coaching in Japan. Clark Dermody's coaching the Fords at the Highlanders, um, and and just the learning around how to draw information out from the players oh, okay. was um, 
you know, like so if you've got a, if you've got a quarterback with that ability, and at that stage Lima wasn't an All Black, and then yeah. he became an All Black. Um, <clears throat> so you got someone like that in the room. You don't have to know it all. Yeah, okay. So it's yeah. about about having people you trust. Trust. Yeah. Okay. Um, the ability, and I think keep developing this, and it, it, you're always developing it. The, the ability to say oh, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, what do you think? Yeah. Okay. And sometimes you might know. Yeah, but it's actually about helping them grow. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time you don't. Yeah. And you might have an idea, but they're the guys playing it. Yeah. They're on the field. They they and so actually getting alongside them and 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 drawing their experiences out. Um, opening your home up, making it, make the family is so important to mm. people. We talk about the people game. Yeah. Um, opening your home up to to the players, so you're getting them around for a, for a cup of tea or a meal or or whatever, just to have conversations that aren't Human. in the office. Yeah. And What's interesting, one thing that's very clear about you is this this um, people and community. There seems to be a trend that's happened a lot throughout your whole yeah. career. Yeah. Oh, it's, well, it's life. Yeah, well, have you read, um, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Nudge? Have you read Nudge? I haven't read Nudge. Oh, so Nudge is this whole idea of um, how do you kind of socially manipulate environments to make people make good choices. Yeah. So it's um, a lot of political policy writers will use it. So, you know, make choices that are healthier for society. But it really influenced how I think because, like, I'm a community builder. That's what I do. I build communities. Um, and so then, well, what do you... You know, and we'll talk about this because I know you're really big on culture. You know, I remember when we, I still remember that coffee we had, and I remember at that time, and you're really proud of this. And you know, you're like, you, Brad, you're very animated at best of times, but you had been coaching your rugby team, and you told me how, like, the last practice you'd had, you'd turned up, and all the boys were there practicing before you turned up. And it was a real highlight for you because yeah. it was kind of like, oh, my coaches, you know. And so the idea of, is, is, we are, you and I are luckily people who get to think about how do I build a community? You know what I mean? Like a lot of people jump on community and it's, they need that. But we also, we sit back and we go, okay, well, what's this community I'm building? Yeah. What's the culture and what's the behaviours and, you know, what's the feel I want to get behind that? So maybe dig into that because I know it's, it definitely comes through from you. I think that um, uh, I'm probably getting a lot more clearer on on the how and and. Um, the defining of a culture for me, yeah. and everybody, and that's that's community. So, what well, we went to, um, I'm sorry, go back. Sort of, there's a lot of thoughts going on, but um, a lot of people will have different definitions of it, and that's mm. fine, no problem, because as long as it's authentic to yourself, and you can you can live that, mm. and and that's how you roll, and and that's how your behaviours reflect that. So people see that. Mm-hmm. Then and they can see that that's authentic, then that's fine. You you will grow people, mm. and you'll grow people in the, in the manner that's important to you. Um, and and language is massive around that. So we've just been in, in West Wales at, at the uh, Scarlets and living in Clanethley region of of um, about fifty miles west of Cardiff. And uh, and Welsh language is is spoken very strongly okay. in that area. Yeah. And and yet, if you go fifty miles uh, east to Cardiff, people got no idea what you what you're saying. If you wow. if you say thanks or hello and in, in yep. Welsh and whatnot, but but where we were is really strong and it's superb and it's and it's Welsh is spoken in Wales and in um, in Patagonia. Would you believe? Really? So there's some settlement there way back. That, that, and there you go. 
So, um, I think I've got that right. Anyway, <laughs> someone can fix it up if they haven't. Send, send a message on the bottom of it. It's somewhere. It, it, it like sounds that, about yeah. right. Yeah. Anyway, um, it must never be lost. But it's a bit like Afrikaans in South Africa. Yeah. Um, for the for the Afrikaner and, and the and the um, the Zulu and the and the Tutsi and the um, the, the the languages <coughs> must be maintained Maori here mm. because that that's culture and we're, and we're effectively a storytelling race. Mm. So if we if we're able to keep the language going, then you can see the culture flowing through and people th- think in, in that in that space. Um, so learning a few words in Welsh was really important, not, not, not for, to me to, to, to show people that you've, um, you've made an effort, yeah. but to actually be able to understand how th- words sound, that that's, that's their language, let's join in on this, mm. so actually understand the culture, their culture. For me in terms of building a, a team and a, and a community around that I think the best I've, I've heard it described was um, <clears throat> belong believe behave yeah nice so and, and that really suits me because I'm an includer yeah you are aren't you and, and um, funnily enough I don't need to be included as much as I like to include okay. so but my I, like, I need to be included by my inner circle yeah. friends yep um, so belong believe behave Allow people to belong. So we're in. We're on. This is what we're doing. Yep. Slowly or different speeds for people, they'll believe. So some will believe straight away. They go, yep, I'm into that. Yeah. And others will sort of just dip the toe in and others will be, nah. Mm. But if you carry on with it and you still allow them to belong, the belief starts to come that, mm. okay, I can see this vision and I, I can feel it and, and I, I want to be part of this because it's genuine and I can see how people are operating and then the behaviors will follow so that they'll start to they'll start to behave in the way that yeah that that our our, our community has decided or our team yeah. has decided or behave and it's not about having a massive rule book like where we need rules if, if it's just do the right thing yeah so um is it right for the team is it right for me is is this will this help us yeah yep do it say it and even going back to that conversation we had, when you turn up and those boys had, that's, that's an example, brilliant. isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, and and so they, they've they've started their behaviours. Is, is and I didn't know that then. Yeah. It didn't have. I didn't yeah. didn't understand. Well, the subconsciously, long you, didn't, behave. you know, subconsciously, you may. Have, yeah. But, perhaps you know, that's yeah. right, but I couldn't put it into words. And it's when they, when I heard that it was actually a, a wee podcast, a guy called Andrew Macuro did with uh, a lady called Jess Davidson, two Christchurch people. Um, and he and his story is quite powerful, and uh, and he talked about that, and yeah. and and that was he was talking about it from an aspect of faith, whereas genuine um, more other other types of um, religion. So he's connected with Salvation Army and other types of religion. I'm, not, I'm no expert on this at all. Yep. I don't know, but yeah. I think they they he felt it's around the other way. You have to you have to believe first and oh. then behave, and then you can belong. Oh. You okay, sort of yeah. they've got to see that before you can come in. Yeah. And 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 he felt Salvation Army was belong, believe, behave. And when uh-huh. I heard that, that's yeah, that's great. that's my that's my understanding. So it sort of put the science behind the the thinking. 
So to me, that's that's the 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 essence of let let if you want to if you want to create something, then let people belong. And and I'm not into um, uh, outcome goals. Yeah, yeah. I would rather have behavioural norms. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you exactly. Yeah. So you know, the, the, and you can work words in and theme yeah. stuff and create a wee story that that people that that's that that it might be bigger than your actual group. Yeah. That people can. Um, draw inspiration from and, and whatnot, and and, uh, and that, that's quite exciting. And when, when we think about high performing culture, what are some of the, the values that are important? Well, I think when when you talk about that, I think for me, high performance is is really about wanting to be better every day, or every every moment. I want to win the moments to to be able to have my best chance to perform yeah. on stage. Yeah. And and uh, and so that's that's been on all the time now, and and on been on all the time might might be being off. Mm. You need to th- <laughs> some of the listeners go, what is he on? But if you're relaxing and you're lying, you're going to put your feet up on the couch and read a book, or you're going to watch a, a movie or something. Then be engaged in that. So be present in whatever I'm doing. Be present. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 And then right. you can win that moment. Um, and we all we were going to catch ourselves out at times, but if we can help out rather than catch out, then then we'll we'll grow with that. You know, yeah. we see it with the kids. You're like you think you're present, the next thing you just have a wee look at the phone, yeah, yeah. and then go, man, what am I doing? Yeah. But but um, the the those those that's the definition for me of high performance. So and, and I think it's really grateful and fortunate to be in a um in a career path where everyone will turn up to work yeah desiring wanting to be better because it's interesting i always think of your career in comparison to my career because i'm helping people who are really struggling with exercise have a history and a story that works against them even thinking that they can do it and so whereas you know so we're we're kind of playing with different kind of problems yeah um and whereas i find your one interesting because also you you've got the people who are motivated as they turn up to work but the pressure mate you know, yeah. the, the, the instability, you know, yeah. like, you know, because a lot of athletes, it's quite a yeah. horrible life, really, because week to week. Short-term contracts. Yeah, you, you know, your, it's very, Your balance sheet's on display every Saturday. And when you look at depression, depression, um, an insecure future is one of the biggest causes of depression. Yeah. You know, and if you're an athlete, you know, sure, the Richie McCaws know they've got a good career, but most athletes don't have that. Probably, if, I think, I'm not sure if it's up to date now, but it used to be the average average term of a, a professional Rugby contracts four years. Yeah. Now no one's setting themselves up for life no, in four years. No, God no. Um, and and that's why uh, it's, it's really important that we we get that people part right, and we do that well in New Zealand. Our yeah. pastoral oh, really? care is very good, uh, and it's all and people are always looking to be better yeah. at that. So how can we improve that? And it's so that includes now looking after those that have retired, yeah, or or, or have been retired. Yeah. So um, so they're no longer a professional rugby player. But they've given to the game and they've 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 been part of that. So how do we help them yeah. transition and deal with not having a calendar yeah. every day? Don't need. I don't. Oh, now I've got to be there at eight and I'm wearing that and I've got to, and I'll eat then and 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 there's my kit um, and I'll get on the and bus. Because yeah, yeah, like, it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because in the environments you're in, you get a group of guys working together towards common goals and and all the rest of it. Um, but you guys do control the environment a lot. So and our young men. Um, how do you make sure you're still developing their life skills so that when you, you, you pulls away, that they're not 
incompetent in some pretty basic stuff. Yeah. Um, well, you can do it a couple of ways. I think one, one is you have you have people specifically that's their job description okay. is is yep. to is to drive that, and you make sure there's space in the week. Yep. For that, and that's how that that is part of how it's done here uh, in New Zealand. Um, so there's um, personal development managers okay. uh, in each in each super um, uh, club, who who and 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 provincial unions as well. So so they help these people develop their lives outside of rugby. Yeah. So whether that's um, going and getting work experience or a little bit of a trade opportunity or doing some papers at university mm. uh, or getting their driver's license, mm. uh, helping them understand banking, yeah. saving, yeah. bank accounts. And then, and then, so, that, and, but that used to be a lot more um, generic and now it's, there's a generic aspect to the foundations of it, but then it's really bespoke for the person. So, which I think is brilliant mm. because everyone's needs are different. Yeah, totally. We're all doing different scales of different things, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah. And some people want to, want to um, have a crack at buying shares and others are, uh, are just getting ready they, they want to they're still renting but they should be purchasing a house mm. or yeah uh, once they should they could because yeah. I don't know yeah. whether they should mm. but um, uh, I think that we we do that we do that well here in that respect and also the other part of that is 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 just by getting to know your people and 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 showing telling your story if they're interested if they want to ask and and then and showing where you know where you've made mistakes and how that could have been different or or um, other things that have worked out and just again being authentic and 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 uh, or humble with it I suppose it's just just having a conversation it's the people part because mm. you asked about values and I I think that that generally you could do a workshop at any business um, or group. Mm that you're getting together, team, group of athletes, and say, okay, let's talk about how we're going to operate. What are, what are our values going to be? And we need five. And I reckon that those five will come from a group of 10 values that are always On the people's mission statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust, integrity, team first, um, work ethic, honesty, loyalty. Mm. And... And they were brilliant. Sounds good. Les are five, but what do they actually mean? What does that look like day to day? I think that's more important. Is how we're going to behave, and that's what I talk about behavioural norms. It's um, it's real Barcelona football club ethos. Man, you under under Ferguson. Mm. This is just taught behaviours, mm. um, and yet, and I think that the behaviours reflect the underlying values of the outfit anyway yeah and if 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 those underlying values aren't there or they're incorrect then you then you're now undergoing a cultural change so that's different um how are we how are we of you know because uh, there's a really good um i can't remember i read this or heard this somewhere and there's a talk about how they did what they did is they went into a workplace um and had these meetings and they kind of planted somebody who was designed to kind of ruin the meeting so little yeah. things like they pick up the phone yeah, and then they'd sit down when everyone was standing up and they were just kind of not not being like a prick about it but just kind of just doing little things which were ultimately taking the attention away from the purpose yeah. of the meeting and they found that like 
90% of the times that were in the meeting, they had so much influence on the, the meeting. And so, and there was, a, there was a kind of one example where it didn't work at all, and it was because there was this kid in the room whose father had always been a high facilitator. So his father obviously caught, taught this kid lots of techniques, and this kid could pick up on it, and he influenced the group back to the better techniques. Brilliant. And when we think about culture, it's you need your leaders and the people who, who are the important people, or, or at least the more influential people in it, to have the ability to catch when it's going in the wrong direction, don't you? Yeah, and and, I, and maintain the standards. That's right, and 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 most of that when you talk about it going in the wrong direction, most of that will be in a time of adversity. Yeah, when yeah. It's, who are you when you when it's the hardest moment? Mate, yeah. That's right, and do we stay true to that? Yeah, and that's why you need great people around you. Yeah, because they'll they'll check you as well. Yeah, so we um, at the Scarlets the job that have just left um we had 55 playing staff and 25 rugby staff that that there's 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 our people and i'm i've got the privilege of being in the head coach seat so okay well i can't i can't do that on my own yeah. i that's that's um do the maths 80 people yeah so I actually, my vision is that that's 80 leaders. So we, what, what, what we need to do as a, as a coaching group, as a management group, as, as heads of department, is just give our people everything they need to be the best they can be, mm-hmm. to be able to thrive. And if we give them everything they need, then they only have to, the only thing they have to do is know their role. Because then, then it's up to them to execute it. Yeah. And they're not there by accident. Mm. They are good at what they do. Yeah. Whether they're players or physios or analysts or a manager or, or whatever. They, they, are, they are good. So then how can we grow them? Be really clear about you own your role. Yeah. Now you go lead that. It's a bit like a, um, a, a Formula One pit stop. 19 people touching the car. One job. One job. Yeah. Guy chain putting lifting the right tire, lifts the right tire. Yeah. They practice that. Now he's also a mechanic, no doubt, or yeah. an engineer. Yeah. And he's highly skilled at yeah. what he does outside of the pit lane. Yeah. But he's got two and a half seconds to be spot on with what he does with the right tire. Yeah. You get that right and then and then the car's gone. Yeah. Now they can't win the race, but they can give everything they can to yeah. make that car function and yeah. the driver function to be the best and they can be best the best in be. their moment doing the thing that they need to do that's right. which overall creates a better outcome for everyone yeah. yeah yeah so so for me that's 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 the leadership model for me that works for me and it may not work for others but that's that's i think that's empowering collaboration happy for people need to know their roles but don't stay in your lane you're allowed to there's permission to contribute, to contribute yeah. and to challenge Yep. With respect, challenge the issue, not the person, mm. uh, and and then to to get people to thrive. There's a there's a um, best book I've ever read is, is called The Spark. I've never heard of it. And it, and it's by a lady called Christine Barnett. And and it centres on it's the story, the main story, and it, it's, it's true, true story about her son Jake, who um, at 18 months starts to exhibit. Um, serious symptoms of autism strong autism so but we haven't got the terms right about how to describe that but severe yeah okay and and she's a childhood early childhood learner a teacher 
So she's working away in, in, in child early childhood teaching and, and then and her son who was up until that time just standard twelve month old, fourteen month old, fifteen month old turns into an eighteen month old with autism. Mm-hmm. No cuddles, lying still, staring at the walls. Wow. Um and her her story about it, I get a little emotional because it's a superb story, is is that <coughs> she won't won't settle for mainstream education looking saying what needs to be done with him. Yeah, okay. So challenges that to the point where she starts a, a, a childhood centre in her garage oh, wow. with, with for kids with autism. Wow. So all these parents are dropping kids off. They're at their wit's end with dealing with their kid and dropping them off to, to her. And she's looking after them during the day. And then so one aspect would be, for example, a, kid, um, a child is dropped off who just won't stop talking. Just non-stop. Now that sounds okay here and now, doesn't it? Yeah. But if that is your reality every day yeah. as a parent, yeah. you are, and, and you're looking after, you are the, and the, the main provider and caregiver, that will become pretty debilitating. debilitating. So, mm. um, but what, keep thinking about the spark, what Christine Barnett worked out is this girl's spark was storytelling. Oh, okay. So, so she sat down with this kid and took notes on what she was speaking talk, talking about. Yeah. Overnight, turned it into a book, and the next day presents that to the mother. Oh, really? See, this is what your uh, daughter created. Wow. And instead of being focused on, well, mainstream says you can't go to the next stage because you can't do up your shoelaces and you can't do this and that. So buy Velcro shoes. Yeah. Put slip on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's solutions, you know, like, like yeah, yeah. So when I read that book, it had so much impact on me that that um, where does it connect to what you've asked about and what we're talking about? Everybody has their spark. Well, it's really interesting because one of my questions to you was going to be how do you deal with people who, you know, you may not necessarily, your personality types don't work or they're just not motivated or, um, and so you ultimately I think what you're saying is your answer is to help them find that spark. That's right, Help them find it, or or help us find. So it might be listening really carefully and watching to see what's their spark. Mm. So so me taking the time to find that out yeah. and, and and understand well actually that behaviour is not that's he's not trying to piss us off. Yeah, he's actually just a really excitable, yep. emotional um, person. Yep. And and then so the spark is potentially uh, his spark might be that he needs to feel that he's contributing to the yeah. good of the group. Yeah. Okay. Well, then let's let's help him do out. that. Yeah. But also have a conversation around. Like sometimes that's going to distract from the group. So can we yeah. can we win and win can we get an understanding? Yeah, okay. But if you're talking about um, emotional bidding yeah, earlier yeah, before yeah. we came online and, and perhaps you, 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 I don't this is just me thinking now having heard that for the first time before that the emotional bid from that person being loud and vivacious and whatnot is actually well let's just go and acknowledge to him that he's been heard mm. and then say well look in this situation we we might you know we need something different or just allow people to be themselves 
and allowing them to be themselves, knowing that they have bought into what we are doing as a group, as a community, as a team. So there's, they're, they're, and everyone's different. And I think that also just our understanding from personal point of view, I'm not going to get everyone. Yeah, yeah. And they're not all going to get me. Yeah. You know, 80 people, some of them are probably thinking, thank God he's gone. Others are going, oh my God, wish he was here. Yeah. Um, Others are just going, oh, that was that was okay. Yeah. But amongst our management group, someone will have a relationship or an in with everybody in the group, and you work a leadership group of your players. Mm. Um, listen to them, actually, you know, listen and, and 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 adapt to what they're telling you for the program. Because like I said before, we don't know everything. We don't we don't see it from. I'm 45. I'm not going to see it from the same perspective as a 23-year-old, as a 30-year-old, who's as a 28-year-old who might be expecting their first child, as a 20-year-old who's just coming into the group. Yeah. Oh, everyone sees it differently. So I think everyone looks happy. Yeah. 25 of them over here are gutted because they're not playing. Yeah. Yeah. But still show them they're valued. And and it, it might be an assistant fun. coach who has the in. It might be the strength and conditioning coach who's got the relationship with the player that can go and peel back. Let them do that, and, and I don't have to with, know. Um, with uh, you know, I'm sure you read um, Moneyball, um, but also the movie. And there's yeah. a moment where he, you know, the the coach has to just discard players. And I know American sports probably a little bit different, and maybe what like New Zealand sport is. But how do you deal with dealing disappointment? Um, I, I think understanding that that's an inevitable part of yeah. of the game. Your staff and players are, are going to come and go. It's a professional professional sporting environment yeah because it's interesting most people's career is quite safe you know and in this moment right now a lot of people yeah. aren't experiencing it which is yeah. horrible and but you know most people get the job stand it for a long time you know whereas as, you, as we identified earlier there's a lot of insecurity but also you're the person who often has to deliver yeah the, the, the bad news and and just i think the best part of that what, I, what i've learned is just deliver it okay I'll deliver it with empathy yep understanding you're not necessarily you're not telling a player for example that they're a bad player yeah. What you're saying is that their best opportunity is somewhere else. That they, they that the opportunity isn't here. Yeah. And and uh, and it's never a statement of fact that, mm. that that you. It's because of your quality. It's just it's a selection matter. It's a it could be a contract decision. It might be a budget issue. Yeah. You could be letting go a really good player, but you just can't you can't fit the budget anymore. Yeah. Or there's someone else coming through that you need to you need to grow. So, don't dilly dally on it. It doesn't. I'm not saying have a brutal conversation, mate. You're out. We're not yeah, talking about yeah. the money ball situation when when Brad Pitt asks. Um, <laughs> just, I can't remember the name of the coach stuff. He asks, um, "Well, you can deliver Seymour this Hoffman, one, isn't it? Wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he says, "You're out. There's a taxi waiting." And <laughs> no way. I mean, these people are people. It <laughs> might happen in overseas, and I'm sure you know mid-season people are moving around teams, and that it doesn't quite happen in our game no, like that. No. So, so it's it's. Let them know as early as possible, and you might not know six months out from the end of their contract that you're not going to recontract them, mm. but you know that you're not today. Yeah. So it's potentially just saying to a player, look, at the moment I just don't know. I think you need to protect your position. So it shouldn't be a surprise. Shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. Make sure they've heard it? you. Yeah. So what have you heard? Yep. Because um, often those discussions, like selection, all they've heard is I'm out. Yeah. Okay, but. Let's just peel that back or come back to me tomorrow and we'll have another convo. Mm. 
but I think I think it's probably the same as what people are facing now with their businesses and redundancies and whatnot is just get it done don't let people yeah you know, it doesn't help them by them by not telling them the news yeah. and they're going am I in am I out yeah, yeah is just be clear yeah. with empathy and uh and and genuinely want people to go and do well yeah, yeah. Like, it's not prove you're wrong it's no. just it will help you with with opportunities and whatnot. And um, if you've got an opportunity and someone want, another coach wants to speak to them, I'm happy as to talk. Where's, where's your biggest struggle? Where's your biggest struggle? Oh, I think the hardest part of the game is selection. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's the that is, it's the stuff we're just talking about. Yeah. None of that's ever nice, but um, uh, and and selection every day, every Monday. So again, 55 players, and 15 of our guys are playing international rugby, so that's why you have such a big squad, because yep. They'll come and go. for parts of the season yep. they're coming and going, so you've got to have a squad that can get through that, and, and obviously inevitably you have injuries, you need to freshen people up and all that sort of stuff, so um, it's, uh, so, but every Monday you're selecting 23 players to take the field on Saturday, yep. 15 start, 8 reserves. So if everyone's available, there's 32 players that are being told they're not playing. Yeah, well. And and that that's through the team announcement and and whatnot. And you might have players who started last week and they've gone to the bench this week. They're on the bench. They're not playing this week. They started last week. They're not playing this week. Yeah. They might have had a great game. And you're oh, still having a conversation yeah. saying this is the plan. And yeah, what? <laughs> So again, having a policy around that and whatnot, but I think selection that's that's the hardest the hardest part and 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 then what's really important with that though is is acknowledging the effort that the thirty two who aren't playing yeah. are putting in to make the twenty three perform well mm. so we want to actually be under more pressure in training than we are in a game yeah like time and space yeah. and whatnot because the 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 outcome pressure of the game is enough yeah. So um, their preparation, in terms of taking on the, the 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 attributes of the of the pending opposition, is critical. And they're allowed to be disappointed. Yeah, they, they should be. Mm. So you allow that, but you also have to get over that quickly, to to be able to put in for the team. Mm. Mm. So I think that's that that to me is the the toughest bit. Where, where do you go when? You're just on a personal level, what helps you through your own struggles? Um, like I said right at the beginning, really grateful to be surrounded by uh, outstanding people and you different people that you lean on for different yeah. different things. And but you know, so you understand. I'm feeling I'm, this is what I'm working with. Here's who I need to go to. So yep. you, you, you yeah. trust your ability to actually reach out. Uh, yep, and and just take a breath. Yeah, like stuff can be happening. It's just okay. Need to take a breath here. Buy some time. Mm. And then uh, we'll we'll be okay. But I never lose sight of this bit of the Stockdale um, paradox stuff. Never lose sight of optimistic thinker. Yeah. Never lose sight of the 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 that we'll get out of whatever we're in. Mm. Sometimes we don't know how or when, mm. but but we will. So just keep keep the process going. Keep being authentic. Uh, and and like I said, around having superb people around you who who might also notice. Mm. Mm. Just a little bit off. Mm. Can put the arm around how you go, mate. Yeah. Oh, 
really pissed off with something that's happening. Might be at a, at a outside of the footy area or whatever, and then just by that vent, yeah, yeah I am back now. Yeah, just because um, you have ability to offload, and then that's it kind of aligns you back up again. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Yeah. You're on all the time. It's, it's, yeah. It's, well, uh, especially the role you're going into now. And like, I know you're not the, the head coach, so you probably don't get as much public pressure. But for those overseas, the All Blacks in New Zealand are like our identity. You know, they're you know like, and they can have a, a, a game where they win, but they don't do that well. And the public can just be on their case. And yeah. so, you know, to know these tools is going to be an important part of your looking after yourself through this time, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Um, and I. But in that respect, I think that you go into the job with the eyes wide open that yeah. that is what exactly what you described, and actually that's a privilege mm. to, to be in that position to to uh, to be dealing with that yeah. now because that's how it should be. Like the expectation is to win every game. Well, I remember I I, I once did a public talk and Graham Henry was doing a talk and so I had dinner with him and and he was saying he he thinks that's why we're the best because the expectation. Yeah. You know, that's why the All Blacks are the best, arguably the best sports team in the world, is because they're just, the expectation, Yeah, they have to deliver. You know, look at the Warriors. You yeah. know, like I love, I, love, I love league, and you know, and I love rugby as well, but, uh, you know, they're the hardest team to follow, but the expectation is they're going to fail. You know? Yeah, and I, yeah, that would sadden me. Oh, it'd be bugger, wouldn't it? Sadden me. Oh, I'd, like I said earlier about winning the moment, so that's my obligation to that. I don't feel burdened. Yep. By that, I thought I get really excited yeah. about it because nothing's actually changed for me philosophically in terms of win the moment. Yeah. So get so how am I going to get Monday right? I'll be yeah. prepared on Sunday. Yeah. So then I can be ready for Monday, and then I, Are you quite process driven. De- definitely in, in the way you live your yep. life. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, that's a big, it would be one of the biggest vocational stresses for me is just not being prepared. Yeah. It's not actually the performance. Part because I know everyone's working hard. Yeah, if you've prepared well, they'll be in the place. That's yeah. right. And now sometimes you, sometimes you've prepared well. Uh, well, that's the expectation. I have the expectation myself. Must prepare well. Yeah. And prepare our group of people well. And you're also playing another group who should be doing the same. Yeah. So you, and then you, maybe the team plays outstandingly well. So does the other team, and and you don't win. Mm. Well. Okay, the people that are results driven and, and like I said we, we, our expectation is to win all the time that's the business yeah um, is there will be some heat come on on that but then you look back and you go well actually there was nothing more we could have done in that preparation yeah. and then you look at the game and you look for performance and say okay well what can we learn from that okay we, we could be better in this area that area mm-hmm. or we did that really well but we can still be better at it because you're not only looking at the things you didn't do well, look at what you did well, mm. and then try to do them better, and evolve that, and then and then you're getting ready to prepare for the next game. Yeah, you yeah. can't sit back and, and woe me. You, you talked about um, being optimistic, and I'm the same. I'm sure you read Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he talks about if you could wish your child had one thing, it was optimism. You know, it was, it's, it's, people who are optimistic just have better lives, um, and arguably because they're, a they're more persistent because they think they're going to get there, so they stick at it. But he did talk about the fault of the optimistic person is sometimes um, they don't see things because they're so optimistic. Yeah. Is that something you've had to learn about yourself and, and develop in that self? I think sometimes it can uh, it, it can bite, but but I'd rather that than oh, totally. than the other way, and, yeah. and, and certainly from a 
a team perspective, oh, I want 15 optimists sitting on the, if, we, if we've just had a try score against us, we need 15 optimists sitting on the de- yeah. on the try line talking about what next. Yeah. And, and uh, okay, let's go. Yeah. So yeah, I love a bit of adversity. Yeah. It actually, it actually drives me a bit, you know, it's sort of. Well, it goes I, back I think, to that, who am I in my di- in this toughest moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. And let, let's, this is what we're, you know, we want it to be hard at times. Yeah. I remember my last Ironman. My last Ironman, I did um, I, for my, I did Ironman for about six, seven years, and and I, I put a lot of effort and, and worked really hard at it. And I, my ultimate goal was to do sub nine hours, and I worked, wow. you know, and and it was pretty. It's a pretty good athlete. Um, and my last race, I was having a great race, and then the legs fell off, and I, I had about fifteen k to go, and it was obvious I wasn't getting nine hours, and I knew it was my last Ironman because I, you know, I wanted a different life after that, and it was, and I just had that moment. You can you can you can plot home, yeah, or you can finish this race in a way that you're proud of. And I did a 9:05. I didn't get the time, yeah. but I tell you what. And I remember someone the next day said to me, "I saw you in the with a 3k to go," and I, I just thought this guy's dying. You know, just you know, just yeah. I'm just thinking about it. Um, this guy's. I saw this guy at the road. I thought this guy is absolutely dying. He's killing himself and just right. so much pain. And he's in the shit was you all. And um, that's the moment you want, hey. Yeah, I, you know who are you in that moment? Yeah, brilliant. And because and I, could, I couldn't achieve the goal, the goal's gone. You know the nine yeah. hour, but in that moment, who am I? You know, you probably got more out of that now. Oh, going, totally. Since you've done that, more out of that than you would have if you came in at eight fifty nine. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing is, is that we want opportunities in life to learn about that in ourselves. That's why, like, I play music now, and I love music because most areas of my life I'm very competent. Yeah. So like yeah. fitness, I'm very competent. You know, business, I'm very competent. You know, these other areas, I'm very. In music, I'm not competent. And I'm playing in a band. I'm the least skilled player. I'm insecure. I'm, I'm very self-aware. But man, I'm learning more about myself from music than what Brilliant. I would if I went for a run. Yeah. You know, and it's that, that moment. It's the exciting bit, isn't it? Well, there's a lovely, uh, uh, very short video uh, on YouTube of, of a um, rabbi called Rabbi Twersky okay. um, talking about how lobsters grow. So if, you, if people Google Rabbi just just rabbi lobsters yep. and it'll come up and it might be 90 seconds yeah. and it doesn't ruin the story by talking about it because it's a great watch anyway i've watched it heaps of times and yeah. and, and basically lobsters grow because they, they, they they're soft they're a soft bellied um uh, animal yep. and they grow against their skin so then this this the 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 um their their shell yeah so the shell actually protects them but restricts their ability to grow so the only way they can they can actually get bigger is by getting rid of their shell and growing another one wow. now that puts them at massive risk yeah yeah so they have to go to the bottom of the There's ocean they find a place they think safe and for this period of time they sh- they shred their shed their, their shell and and grow another one that allows their body to to grow into that, and then then the process will continue. And you see massive yeah. lobsters. So the the analogy for us is that we grow through adversity. Mm. You you have to make yourself vulnerable to really grow. Mm. Otherwise, it's comfort. And you you if you if you run five k's every day, you get good at running five k's. Mm. So okay, how do you build up to that? And and I think what you're doing with you, your people who who um in some part of your business the people who are struggling to get to love and to get to, to do exercise mm. 
um, is is magnificent, mm. and the the gains and and, the, and goosebump moments you must get from that oh, would be yeah. just well, and it's constant. discovery yourself, isn't it? Because that's that's ultimately what we're finding in that moment, isn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah. Now they are putting themselves, they are making themselves vulnerable. Yeah. Someone who can't run a kilometre or possibly can't run a hundred metres, yeah. that's the starting point. Yeah. To then put themselves into that to say, actually, help me. Yeah. And they'll be potentially they going through all sorts of things. Are worried about what they look like. What are yeah. they going to wear? How yeah. are they going to be seen? Is it is it failure, or is it success? Yeah. And and whatnot. Well, good on them because that'll that'll help them grow. And they've got a metric because they'll keep adding to what they they can, obviously. But for us in our lives, that bit of adversity is 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 okay. Say I need help. I'm vulnerable here. I I, I got that wrong, or I don't know the answer to this someone help me mm. growth yeah and it will also grow the person that's helping you yeah totally yeah because you, you you're sharing and you're and you're putting something together that actually is better than what either yeah. of you didn't know or knew yeah totally in the first place yeah so the old um that 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 little bit of vulnerability and, and adversity is 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 magic for for growth and i think that's what spins i think sometimes it's easier being in a crisis yeah you, well, you thing, focus I, I think a lot of people through this COVID time are going to come out of it, and there'll be lots of value on it, you know, yep. because they have to. They've been put in that shell, haven't they? The, the shell's been broken. Oh man, there's, there's huge amounts of vulnerability at the moment. Yeah. I really empathise and oh, not down downplaying it at all. Oh god, like, no. this is yeah. this is um, a, a serious serious issue for for the world, for societies, and and for individuals. You know, it just keeps boiling down and um i think that that's where the stockdale paradox for me is massive and we talked about as a team at scarlet's before we dispersed is being able to and it's probably a bit around your optimism but being able to um uh front the brutal facts of your situation and acknowledge them yeah and understand that this is the situation but also having the optimism not to lose sight of the end goal. Now, the, the wee story around Jim Stockdale was he was the highest-ranking prisoner of war in the Hanoi Hilton in the, in the uh, Vietnam War. And, uh, and as such, he needed to take control of the prisoners So because he, he's the highest-ranking, so he needs to lead them. And by various means helped them deal with their torture you can hold out to this moment and then give this bit of information, get a bit of reprieve and mm. um, how to communicate with men who are in solitary confinement, brutal conditions. Mm. Um, but the big, and the big story is that the, the people who are optimists who said we'll be out by Easter, Easter comes along, they're not out, yeah. lose a little bit of hope. Yeah. Oh, it's all right, we'll be out by Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving comes along, still not out, yeah. a little bit more hope. They're the ones that became really... Um, uh, at, at risk of, of dying yep. and not making it. His position was, well, I, I don't know when we're going to get out, but we will. Mm. We just have to deal with the moments. Now these are the facts. This is how we're going to roll and we're going to tick the days off. Yeah. And when it's time to get out, we'll get out. Yeah. So the optimism of the end result, but not not putting a timeline on it, Yeah. is, is the, whilst also acknowledging the brutal facts that's the the story in that that i i, I think has been really impactful on me to, to so, so what you're really saying is to trust but also be realistic and plan 
and, and act. This and, and that's right. Yeah, and deal with AA where you get outside the seriousness of the of the COVID situation in life. Let's talk about a sports situation. You're down by 25 points. Yeah, and and the game had the situation. The Crusaders against the Waratahs team from Australia, and and we we were down um, uh, 29 nil after 25 minutes Jeez. at home. Jeez. It was 29 nil. It was two, two years ago, three years ago now. And, um, and you guys don't lose games at home. It's like, nah. You know, Crusaders, like in the last period of time, Mate. it just dominated, haven't they? So this is... It was amazing. Back and in the trend. Like, they, they, everything they touched turned gold. We were... But, but a couple of points in it. I know, the brutal facts, we're down by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, we're playing quite well. Okay. But we're just... Skill sets just letting us down at different stages. So uh, what do we need to do? Keep doing it. Keep going, boys. Yeah, trust it. Trust it. Yeah. You know, if, if we needed to change it, we'd have to change it. But it was actually working, but... It's a bit of bad luck. We just weren't it. finishing. Yeah. Well, so that was, a, that was the, the plan. And, and because the game was still so young, you've got time. Yeah. It's not like you're down by 20, 29 it's points with go. 10 to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the, in the next 10 minutes... Before half time, we scored nineteen points. Jeez. So you're now twenty nine nineteen, and it's okay. Yeah. We didn't actually want half time. We wanted to keep going. <laughs> Whereas you're hanging out for half time at twenty nine. It'll stop the game. But uh, but but the, the so that that the guys have done a great job. We I think we ended up winning at thirty one twenty nine. Wow. They had a, they had a, they had a kick to win the game. Wow. Missed. But but the. I guess that that's there was an example for me of okay, I can be a blind optimist. We'll be okay. Yeah. But actually, how are we going to do it? Mm. What are the facts? How are we going to get out? The brutal facts. That's right. Yeah. And and then it's like rem- don't look at the scoreboard for one thing. It's irrelevant. Yeah. Because we just what we need to do is Keep win playing. the ball, catch the ball, pass yeah. the ball, make a tackle. We'll just do that. Yeah. And. I don't want to. We, we, we could do twenty hours, you and I. Um, but I'll finish up with this: just a lot of parents with kids in sport. And I know in New Zealand, there's been a real discussion around um, changing how sport is in the kids' life because we're finding that what's happening with kids is basically around that fourteen age, where they go into the more elite squads. And yeah. what we're losing is a lot of the kids who may not never be professional but all those so yeah. some of them could have been if they'd stayed in sport just your thoughts around what would your advice be to parents with sport um and the outcome even even if they are high performing or even it's just about helping them have a lifetime love of movement make it keep it fun yeah it's got to be fun yeah. um i i i do what i do because it's fun yeah so so what's my why this might help it I, it's for 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 family for family and fun yeah talked earlier about the family make the sacrifices so I have to do a good job what I'm doing because I've made sacrifices yeah for me that's choices I've made choices they make the sacrifices so for family and fun um to inspire for goosebump moments yeah nice that's a there's no winning at at a high performance level is is a price of entry but you don't win because you wanted it more, etc. You win it because you've enjoyed the ride. You've put the places, the points together during the week, mm. and you've built a program that people can go out and express themselves and enjoy themselves. Yeah. Smiles on faces, laughter. It, 
just make it fun. It doesn't have to be a, a you're not reviewing your, your training with your kid in the car on the way home. It's the, if they ask, yeah, go for it. Yeah. But the positivity of the effort and the enjoyment. Nelson Mandela said, greatest sound in the world, kids' laughter. Yeah, true. And how good is it when you actually yeah. notice it? Yeah. We, that's what I'll watch when, when I see our kids at, in, in a sporting team situation or even in their class and, and whatnot. I want to see them enjoying it and having fun. Yeah. Then they're engaged and they'll learn, they'll be fit, and they'll, they'll, they'll do what they're doing because it's fun. Like, yeah. You, you see, if your drivers, a dream could be to be an all black, to be a, a, a black fern, to be in the New Zealand netball team, etc. That's great. But it's not failure if you don't get there. Mm. If, if you give up, if, if I think that from a community sport perspective, if we lose players at the age you're talking about, then we have failed. Oh, we totally, because... Cause, Ultimately, we want the All Blacks, and we need the, the All Blacks are really important. But fundamentally, we need movement in society. hundred percent. You know, and at that age, especially nowadays, because kids have got lots of options which don't involve movement. If we lose them at that moment, that's the cost of society is huge, and not just not, we could talk about weight and heart and all the rest of it, but healthy social connection. You know, shared experience, yep. goosebump moments. You know, you don't have to be in the winningest team to have goosebump moments. Nah. You know, like it's camaraderie there's just so much character traits and so much value to movement in life so much and i and i think the, the our kids the generation now they're those kids at that age so um i think that they are a lot more empathetic and emotionally intelligent than yeah, we I were totally agree yeah they've got the ability to say i love you yeah they can they 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 actually on the whole have more of an ability to 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 appreciate and share in someone else's success mm. rather than thinking I want that to be me. Yeah. Uh, and and when when I see that in the on the sideline from the sidelines of community sport, which I think is so important that we we've got community sport going again yeah. in New Zealand. Right, yeah. You take it to the recreational, the leisure issue um, side of things, etc. Then I, I think that when when we see that we're, we're winning. When I see at a at a kids clubs prize giving, a coach stand up and say that. We haven't lost a game for two years, and I, I, it, it turns me off yeah. straight away. Yeah. Well, I'll go and I'll go and ask that that coach. You know, have they managed to keep the group together for two years, or have they lost anyone to other sports? And inevitably, they've lost kids. There'll be there'll be kids lost to other sports, yeah. and and they go, oh, okay. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, and a, and a help out, not a not a catch out way. It's yeah. not a, and some some will go anyway. Oh, the kids should play heaps of sport. Yeah. Play everything. Yeah, yeah, totally. Awesome. Yeah. Fill your boots um, uh, and, and enjoy it. But I just it's a probably a long way around of coming back to the first comment, which is, is the most important. Just, just keep it fun. And you know what? That's even for adults. Let's be honest. Like, you know, for not, you know, just for pe people who want to do sport or just even just get out and join a gym. Yep. You know, the more fun, you know, I know there's, there's, there's there are the CrossFits and the CrossFits are great, but even then you're still going to make it fun. Yep. You know, like we're, in our running groups, we have different levels in our hard group. We, we challenge them we may take them to levels that they you know they couldn't probably go do by themselves but it's always got to check your smile on her face you know hey. you, you've got to have some laughs and some you know like it's you won't get them there otherwise no, exactly. and or they will they might some of them might get there and they go oh, that was tough yeah no thanks yeah. what a prick yeah uh, working out's a lot easier when you're laughing it's kind of you know. mate put music on all of a sudden yeah. things are different aren't they yeah totally away yeah. you go so and why is that because it's fun yeah 
Totally. Awesome. Hey, mate, I really appreciate your time. Um, you obviously got some amazing insight. I'm sure Lou ah. would love listening to you. Um, good luck with your next stage in your career. We'll be all thanks, supporting mate. you along the way. And just thanks for coming over. Awesome. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. It's great to see you. Awesome, mate. John, you haven't listened to the interview, but it, I, I loved it. And I got when I released it on my show, I got so much cool feedback on it. So well, the interesting thing was, and you may have discussed this, was he used to be a lawyer and quite a high level lawyer. Yeah, we, lawyer. Do, we go deep into that. Mm, and, and it's really, and people already just heard this, but what's really cool is he started coaching as a bit of a part-time thing. That's what's so cool, cool about what he's achieved. He wasn't a high-level rugby player. He was a good local rugby player, but never played for Canterbury. He never super rugby, never international. Mm. Started just coaching a bit of a side-time thing. And thought, I love this. I'm going to make this my life. And now mm. he's an all-black coach. Mm. You know, like, and he had a, a really successful career. And we talked, obviously, people have just listened to this, but that's awesome. Yeah. You know, because so many people sit on the sidelines in life and go, I wish I had the life I want. And he's an example of going, well, I'm going to create the life I want. And to me, that's so inspirational. So. And, and a, a, a life, a, a, a position where you haven't got a lot of control over your future. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, to, to a certain extent, you have. But then you're at the, um, yeah, you can get chopped pretty quickly. So quite a bit of risk involved. Yeah, far out, yeah. Um, okay, John, let's go website of the week. week. A good old guy, Whitby, sent through this one. And it is www.try.caf. So it's one of those kind of URLs that has the word at the end. Try.caf. And it's a solution to John's problems. Well, it's one of, it's similar to some of the other websites that I use. So there was one called OBS Try that I used. And then there's another one. Uh, what is the other one? It's like endurance hyphen data or something like that. Um, and this one, this is, this is a good one. I'm definitely saying it's a good one. That's why I brought it up. Try.cafe. So you can just plug in an athlete. Why don't we even plug in you, Bevan? Oh, really? Do you think I'll come up? Yeah. Um, Here we go. This would be very good if it's got me because it's, yeah. it's been a long Bevan Isles, plug it in. And yeah, yeah it's pulled up your Ironman New Zealand results from 2003 and 2005. Wow, there you go. How do um, I go? So in 2003, you swam 103, 543, and a 403. That run must have hurt. Uh, for that was 10, a shocker. 10.59. That, that, that was my first time, man. Yeah, 10.59, 10. You broke the 11-hour barrier, though. And I worked hard to get there, John. I was dying. Came back in 2005, and that was the year that we both did Blew it, up. I think. Um, but no, you did a 58 swim, 5.07 on the bike, and 3.08 on the run for a 9.19.37. Yeah, it's all right. I'm sure that was the year I yeah that was yeah, the year we, I did yeah, as well yeah I was, I, I was pretty happy with my run that day my bike was probably a bit that was slow. back in the day when you're in the 25 to 29 age group and these days were the days Sean gone. Barnes was in there as well oh Barnes 106 608 and 333 how do I sort this by f- uh, finish oh, it's got all the negative I'm not sure some of the old results like they've all got near one but anyway is that my age group where do I get my age group yeah uh, you got did I win my age group that year. Well, maybe you're, oh, yeah, I think you're 22nd overall by the look of it. It's, yeah, I that's the thing. With some of these older results, it's um, they're not. They haven't got they haven't got your place. Mm. Um, but what what I like about this, and the reason Bevan said this is a solution to my problems, I want somewhere where I can go and plug in a name of a pro, and I can pull up this result their results. This does a great job of this with Ironman events. Now, the year you and I did it was later. That was the year I won my age group. Right. So that was, that was a good year for me. I was pretty happy with that. Mm. And then I think you and I did it a couple of years later and I did like, like a 207 one, and we both blew up. And I did like a 136. Yeah, you, you passed me on the bike and then uh, I passed you on the run. But it was a slow pass. It was like, get me to the finish line. <laughs> and it pass. wasn't like I was trying to compete with you. I was like, let him go. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been a pack bloody caught me. You and Axel and a whole bunch of others. And I was like, oh, screw this. <laughs> uh, anyway. Hey, we weren't cheating. No, so you can plug in the name. It does a really good job. Goes back to 2003 for Bevan. Darren uh, Leslie. 
Yeah, good old Darren Leslie. What does it do for me? How far back is it going to go? Goes back to 2005 for me, which is good. And then if I plug in someone like Cameron Brown, Cameron Brown was down in Christchurch the other day uh, running on my Sea the Sky course. Not that oh, I hey. own it or anything like that. So Cameron Brown's results because go back to did. Back to 2003 as well. So it must be, he must have, this, whoever's doing this, back to 2003, got all the Ironman results in there. Um, but what it doesn't have is have challenge and other events like that. So Torsten's like the only one that's got, I think, the, a definitive database of everybody, but you can't go onto Torsten's site and plug in a name and, uh, and it comes up with it all. But this does a pretty good job, very easy to find information. So good work. And that is try.caf or www.try.caf. I'll put a link to it in www.iamtalk.me. John Wanger of the week. week. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 22, because I reckon that's where you... Fin- well, should yep. we go 22? Yeah, okay, I like it. Yep, 22. Actually, what? Um, no, we did that person a couple of weeks ago, so pick up, pick up another name, number. Oh, d- oh okay. Uh, I'm going to say... I was going to say 43. 43. No, f- yep, 43. Okay, 43. James Clinton. He did 15 hours and 16 minutes training from 11 activities. Didn't do any swimming. 14 hours, it was just a big bike week. 14 hours and 34 minutes of riding, 42 minutes of running. Uh, so good work, James Clinton. He is from, wait for it. I'm waiting. Dan Shui, Taipei and Taiwan. Oh, Not a very Taiwanese name, but he I've is. I've probably been there, John. I've been to Taiwan yeah. like 20 times. Uh, it's always fun to look at people's um, sort of their... Their graph, it sort of shows you their monthly totals. Um, and it's got a, a very much a reverse sort of periodization going on here. <laughs> so in December last year, Dan was cranking it up. And then the, um, January was a little bit less. February was a little bit less. March was a little bit less. <laughs> April was a little bit less. <laughs> but then he cranked it back up again in May. And then he started the same process again. <laughs> Each month was less and less and less. But still, he did 15 hours or so last week. That's pretty solid. So nice work. Biggest ride ever, 201 kilometres. Uh, biggest climb, 2,822 metres. Jeez. Solid. That's way bigger than what I've ever done. Good that's, work. That's pretty solid effort. Okay, John. Let's go. Oh, who is it? It is from Taiwan, uh, James Clinton. You are a winger, winger of, the of the week. Okay, questions and, and answers. Save the first question for next week because I haven't got a good answer for it yet. Okay, then the second question goes to, um, this is by Pim. Oh, she sent through a great, great video of, who was it? Um, someone having a disaster transition. Oh, I did watch this too, but I've forgotten, so I'm just pulling it up right now. It's not the Peter Reid one from Challenge Road. That no. Is, uh, that is the best of all time. And Andreas Dreitz. It was at Ch- Challenge Davos where these guys the did actually get to terrible. do the swim. Firstly, he ran all the way past <laughs> the bikes. Secondly, he hasn't got his gloves on. And it he's putting everything gloves, gloves on, doesn't it? Yeah, all the pros are just heading out. He's getting his gloves on. Sebastian Keenley's come in with his wetsuit. I think he's going to get out before him. And Keenley's, it, like Keenley's putting a jacket on. He is. And it's obviously, and it's like, think torrential rain kind of wet. Yeah. And Dre Lutz is still, or Drake's is still Drake's. trying to put his gloves on. Yeah. It's when you're wet and you're trying to get things on. He's only got one on. Keenley's just about ready to go and he's off. And at, at the end of the day, it didn't matter. Keenley's gone and Drake's has only got one glove on. Um, <laughs> It didn't matter in the end because the race did get called off, unfortunately, mid-ride for those pros. Um, but yeah, that was a bit of a rookie mistake. That was very amateur. Do, in his defence, 
keeping your hands warm is pretty important. But he was, he was, it was a weird one because he's... Didn't um, put a jacket on. Didn't put a jacket on. He's just got a tri-suit and he's just got gloves and that's it. And What's the coldest you've ever been in a race? Well, that, I don't know, that Ironman that we did, I think it was 2005, uh, and there was a frost that morning, and we were riding out. Uh, Ironman oh, I Zero do course that. Yes, I do. Is it was laughter. freezing. It was freezing. And back in those days, this was a day when I used to, you'd get your power bar, and you'd cut it up into pieces, and, and you'd stick it, it to your, your top yeah, tube, yeah. and it was just like rock. There was no way I was going to be able to eat oh, any of that. Yeah. Uh, luckily, it sort of softened up a bit later. The rest of the day was beautiful, but the first hour or so on the bike was Arctic. I do remember that, and it was because you're obviously coming out of water, and you wear all your gear under the wetsuit we because we were racing mm. pretty high level. And uh, yeah, I was, I was freezing. Mm. Okay, John, let's go to John Swim's. Right, this morning's swim. Let's just uh, try to recall what it was. We did 300 meters warm up, 200, two times 100 IM, 100 drills, and then just to wake up a little bit, 450s build ups. Ooh. And then we did 15 100s uh, steady on the one minute 35. So that means we sort of get, you know. Between five and ten seconds rest, not smacking it. Then we did six hundred ascending, so that's starting fast, and each hundred you just ease off the pace a little bit. Actually, we did a hundred easy before that, and then we finished off, much to a few people's disgust, with six times twenty-five butterfly. Oh, really? But a butterfly is like, what are we doing, butterfly? I said, yep, we got to get ready for an epic camp because an epic camp we got to try to do a two hundred meter butterfly continuous. And that is not easy. I did it, but I was definitely looking like a bloody humping bloody yeah. fish as I'm doing it. So there'll be a little bit more fly coming into our Tuesday swims. And then 200 metres warmed down, I think it was 3,350 metres. How long is it to Epic? It is uh, end of sort of October. So yeah, it's probably, I don't know, probably six weeks or so. I need to start training for the camp, for the I'm, yes. I'm in talk, I am talk, Kona Special. What do we call Kona, it? Yeah, I'm in World Championship. I don't know. What do we call it? The I Am Talk Kona World Championship Special something or other? A special day. It's going to be on Kona Day, so we've got three time zones going for Zwift meetups. Uh, and I was just talking to a few of my athletes about this and just saying, a lot of them, are, you know, motivation's not particularly high at the moment when oh, there's not a lot of racing on. talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a more a case of, I just said, it's just a challenge. And they go, yeah, I'm just, I'm up for it. Just go and just do it as a challenge I'm suggesting to most people you kind of do it at Ironman effort rather than treating it as a race and just treat it as a really good training session we've got a bunch in Christchurch here are going to meet up and actually do um, they're going to do it on a different platform on Perth Pro and they're going to meet up in a room and it's for them it's going to be really good are we going to try to meet them in the run yep we'll meet them we'll meet them for a swim and for the run John uh, uh, okay one of the fellas Hayden he's going to have his son out there we're handing out jet planes oh I love a jet plane yep Yep, so... John, I'm, I'm starting to go towards the strategy of no training. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did that with... I tried that with uh, with one of the Ironman ones and it didn't go disaster. so well. No, it went well for about three and a half hours. I'm thinking 40-minute swim for me. I swim, I don't think you need to worry about whatsoever. You'd be fine with that. I just think you need to do a little bit of running, that's all. Oh, I know. I always run a little bit. Yeah. You know, maybe not a half marathon, but I, I'm not going to be killing the run. Mm. I'll just get it done. Nice. And the bike... I imagine you'll probably put 20 minutes on me. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think you will. Mm-hmm. 90 Ks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're easy to do 20 minutes on me. I haven't ridden a bike in a long time. Yeah. yeah and so. it's going to be indoor on Zwift. It's going to be a bit of sweat going on. Ugh. Just tell you why. I hope it's not too hot because my garage will get pretty hot. 
Okay, game on team. Um, if you want to do that, you can go to www.imtalk.me. There's a link in the community section. Up the top, sort of training slash camps. Yeah. Uh, you can go and join and make sure you join the boys on the day. And and that's the same day as Kona. What yep. we have on TV, what's happening in the race? There's no Kona on this year. Oh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> that's cold. Yeah. We can watch last year's race in. Yeah, we can. <laughs> okay, sponsors. Let's name our patrons, Jumbo. Patrons. Uh, we've got Eric Stelvio Prilip. We've got Luke the Cover Parker. And Hamish, I never hit the... Whoa. That's sensational. We've got, new, we've got a new one, John. We have. Guy Whitby. Was Guy the one who gave us... Uh, yeah, he was too. He gave us the uh, the website of the week. Nice. Uh, completing Ironman races since 2013. Completing an Ironman races... Hold on. Completing Ironman races since 2013. Uh, and competing since 2018 under the coaching group of coretriathlon.com. Lives in East Sussex, UK. And runs a sustainable sportswear business. Oh, that's cool. cool. Uh, called... Prescasportswear.com. So go check that out. Uh, listen to the podcast for years. I've enjoyed the insights, insightiveness, and motivation, especially during 2020. So we've got a picture there of Guy finishing challenge. Is that challenge Roth? I think it probably is. I'm going to turn my screen upside down. Challenge. Yeah, it is challenge Roth because we've got Dativ on there. So he's finishing off his race there. Uh, so nice work. Um, and thanks for supporting the show, Guy. Now, I was thinking, Bevan. His, his, his product, our sustainability journey. Since we created the first ever cycling jersey made from recycled plastic bottles in 2014, we've been on a mission to make sportswear better. Every business decision we make seeks to support a thriving planet and people who help make the world close. Sustainable materials, ethical choices. So it's all made from re- recycled materials. Nice. That's check, pretty cool. Check it out, prescasportswear.com. Yeah, good, good stuff. Um, now, when a guy Whitby, yep, what just came to my mind, and I thought this might work. Whit, I thought Whitbread, Whitbread used to sponsor. Oh, I love it, John. Whitbread used to sponsor the round the world sailing race. So, yeah, yachting's quite big in New Zealand. It gets quite a bit of coverage. It used to be the Whitbread round the world race. I'm pretty sure Whitbread is just a bread company in the UK. Oh, really? It, I think could there be wrong go. there. Uh, and so I was thinking, guy around the world, Whitby. Nice, I like it. Nice. He's been around the world and mm. I, yeah, I can't find my baby. Okay, John, so that's that one there. Uh, let's just talk about... You Can. Uh, Generation You Can. No, it's just You Can. They've just their brand rebranding just to be You Can. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Kiss. Uh, so we've got some promo codes. If you're is it the, a keep it simple stupid? Keep it simple stupid. Yes, it is. Yep. Uh, you're stupid. I'm, so I'm simple. I'm simple. I'm not sure, quite sure why I got beaten up there, but that's okay. I'll take it. Uh, so if you're in the States, generationucan.com. If you're in Canada, smartperformancenutrition.ca. If you're in Australia, generationucan.com.au. If you're in New Zealand, superstarch.co.nz. And if you're in the UK, generationucan.co.uk. I imagine some of those URLs might start changing. Hopefully the promo codes uh, will keep working. If they don't, um, get in touch with those guys. Use the promo code IMTALK and you get uh, 15% off except for the UK you get 10% off that's because your poms um, and go check it out and get yourself some samples and try it out and see how you get on but I'm uh, yeah especially important on those long sessions just to change things up a bit especially if you're somebody who's had uh, you know some GI distress when you're out there racing okay uh, if you want to get show email to you just go to www.imtalk.me down the bottom of the front page if you want to become a patron it's the same place you go to support the boys and doing what we do for some coaching you go to coachjohnnewson.com for my podcast bevanjamesiles.com and if you want to email content through to us your email at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com Jonbo what you got? 
What's my gosh, the last few weeks have been dedicated to putting on an event at the weekend um, called the Sea to Sky Challenge, so that uh, seemed to go pretty well. We had to operate in New Zealand and well, in the South Island, we're still at what we call level two, which means we can't have groups of uh, more than 100, so I initially thought, no way I can run the race. How many did you do the race, about 400? Um, we had about th- we had about 350 entries, yep. but less, just a little bit under 300 finishes. Yep. So I had to divide the race up into groups. They ended up being groups of 75. Had to fence everybody off. Had to get portable toilets in. Sounds and like not- you need a sheepdog. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's a toilet, hey boy, hey boy. toilets in those areas. You're only allowed to use the toilets in your areas. We had to have marshals. You're only allowed to deal with athletes in their particular areas. Wow. You'd only turn up at a certain time. And I had to pull out a couple of times when somebody was asking me questions. It was like, it's in the manual. Oh, I tell you what. I just, I just, if you want to annoy my wife, yeah, because my wife is very thorough. Yeah. And she sends out all the information all our runners need to know. And the amount of people who come up with questions, which are all very obvious in the, in the, in the manual. It's in the manual. So I did have to pull that out twice, and uh, just because I had enough. Hey, well, when you said it, though, what did they, they say? They said, oh, it wasn't really clear. And I was like, yeah, it was. It was really clear. <laughs> um, so I only had to pull it out twice. By and large, everybody behaved, and they were, they were good citizens. So all went pretty well, it's, which is great. And it's so, always the same people too. Mm. You know, the person who doesn't read... It's always, you know, it's always the same person. With this particular race, so we, we had to have it as a duathlon format. Normally we have it as a triathlon, but we do have a duathlon option. Um, it's a split transition, so you need two pairs of running shoes. Oh. And, um, and the running shoes have to go to the other location. They leave on a on a bus, and you've got to have them in by 8 o'clock. Oh, wait, so someone turned up with one pair of running shoes? No, somebody turned up with a pair of, two pairs of running shoes, I believe, and then said uh, at about, the race starts at 8.20, sort of said about 10 past 8, where do the running shoes go? Bus left ten minutes ago, buddy. What I do? I I don't actually know what the outcome was. It's like can't we can't solve that one. There's no way of solving it. We're not solving it. So I think he probably biked in in his uh, running shoes. So pity the fool. And the other thing that was funny was I thought I'd timed the tides really well, and I changed the course slightly so you'd run along the beach at the finish, and then you pull a U-turn and you come up onto the sort of the promenade area to the finish line. And I was looking at the water going. That's coming in a little bit faster than I'd anticipated. <laughs> so I had to do a bit of disaster management, and uh, quite a few people had to run through the water uh, at about round about ankle depth. Oh, okay. And then eventually we changed it, but quite a few people got wet feet. But that was kind of cool. It was it was in the last two hundred meters of the run, so nobody was complaining. Yeah. Um, and the kids, I said it to the kids, they had to run through slightly deeper stuff. And I said, "Was that okay, Tom?" And he said, oh, "Yeah, no, it was really cool." So I think the kids enjoyed it. So that was my last two weeks. Was basically getting that event off the ground, which was good. And Bevan, you've been on holiday. We went down to uh, Tikapo in Queen. I went skiing for the first time, John. Nice. I went skiing once when I was about 12, or probably about 13, 14, the first year of high school. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed it, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because A, we had a perfect day. Mm-hmm. And then B, being with the, we had, we've gone back into lockdown a little bit in New Zealand, although it looks like we're coming out of that soon. No one on the field. Mm-hmm. Like, basic, well, there are people on the field, but... The longest I waited in a line would probably be in five minutes. Nice. You know, like, so I was just being able to go up and down. And luckily, I picked it up really quickly. I did the beginner, beginner slope, like, two times it was too easy. Mm-hmm. Then I went to the mid-range slope. And then I went and got, a, as a part of my package, I got a lesson. And I turned up for the lesson, and it's group lessons. But mm-hmm. my level, I was the only person there. Nice. So I got a one-on-one coaching lesson, which is really great. And then uh, by lunchtime, we had lunch with the girls, because Joe and her sister went up. They said, do you want to try to go up the top? I said, okay, I'll go up the top. 
do I shit myself? <laughs> the, the first time. Because I knew in, in the beginner slope, the beginner, not the mid the mid-range slope. Yeah. The first part was quite steep and then the second yeah. half was really easy so I could bash out that second half and I knew I needed to practice that first part because I thought that would be pretty similar to what the, the real <laughs> yeah. side would be like. So I did that a few times and I, was, I, was, I, think, I think I'll be right to do it after lunch. So I, I went up the first time and oh my God, I was, I was, I was <laughs> like, I'm sweating like a dog inside, inside my bloody, it was, it was a beautiful day but I was sweating like crazy, heart rate's pumping but I managed to get down and I thought the only way you're going to get better is keep going. So by the end of the day, I was actually able to ski down, or mm. actually probably after about three or four runs, I was able to ski down the whole thing without falling over or stopping. So, so you did have a few falls? Not major ones, mm. more kind of as you're turning, yeah, you, you, know, over. you start doing the splits in ways that could be mm. quite dangerous. <laughs> uh, I never had a fast fall. Yeah. Um, and I was definitely very kind of slopey coming up and down. But it was definitely something I was going, you know... <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm, I'm going to fall passionately in love with it, but it's definitely something I'd do more of because mm-hmm. the challenge of it's quite cool. Mm-hmm. You know, because I just that kind of, for me, the challenge was turning of enough angle that you didn't go down too fast, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so because I'm still a very beginner, but I could see why it's attractive because A, we're in Coronet Peak. It's stunning, mm. like absolutely beautiful. Good day, you know, fun stuff. You see, we should do the um, the peak to peak challenge one year. That's where they they ski so, down, don't they? It was supposed to be on last weekend, and it got. Canned. Is that at Coronet Peak? Yeah, uh, no. It's so well with this race, you get a, a field called Remarkables. Um, you ski down the slopes, then you jump on a mountain bike, mountain bike to the bottom. Is that on then, the road? Uh, no, it's on the well, the access road. Yeah, actually, that road's sealed now, so it's yeah. pretty shit mountain bike actually. Yeah. Um, and then somewhere towards the bottom, then you jump into a kayak. And you kayak oh, up okay. to Queenstown, uh, and then you jump, uh, then you run about, I think it might be about 10Ks maximum, probably no more than that, and then you bike up to the other ski field on the other side is kind of the valley, so quite a cool race. Oh, really? Mm. So you do two bikes? Well, you do a mountain bike, and then you do an uphill bike. Oh. Yeah. So. Which, to be honest, even if I was an average skier, this one, this going to cost you much time, is it? No. You no. Know? But some of the guys, oh my God. God, <laughs> no, the guy's just going straight downhill. Yeah, yeah. What are you like? Are you a good skier? Yeah, reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Can you go yeah. straight downhill? Yeah, of course. Yep. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Did you ski as a kid? Yep. Okay, well, that's such an advantage, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Do you love it? Um, we don't go much anymore. So, but when you go, do you love it? It's good. You? Yeah, but I'm 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 okay with just a couple of times a year these days. Yeah. A couple of times, it's fine. Have you skied overseas? No. Quite different. Yeah, oh, speaking definitely. of the guy at the gym yesterday, and he was saying he's a passionate skier, but he kind of doesn't ski in New Zealand anymore because he'll do this two weeks overseas thing, um, and it's kind of ruined him mm. because he's just, you know, what, what he's had access to. So, yeah, other than that, when I saw the new Nolan film, it was good. Mulan? Yeah, yeah. Nolan. No, no, not, not oh. Mulan, Nolan. Um, oh. What was it called? Tenant. That was good. And then, ate, oh, lastly, ate too much food. But we went to a place called um, White Wongs. Have you heard of it? White and Wongs? So, John. Mm. Because we've been watching a lot of MasterChef. Do you watch MasterChef? No. Oh, you'd love MasterChef. Yeah. Prioritize my times elsewhere. But yep, carry on. Well, what are you watching right now? I'm not really watching anything at the moment. <laughs> um, other than Tour de France. What are we watching? Uh, what was that? You carry on. I can't remember the name of the program. MasterChef is really good. Because MasterChef mm. is a, it's a one reality show to me. Not that I watch much reality. It's a celebration of people trying to grow. Mm. And it's, it's never, it's not that techie kind of crap. It's, 
high level people trying to be really great at something in a really supportive great environment it's actually a really fun show Joe's passionate about it it's like mm-hmm. one of her favourite shows so I kind of tag along but I've got hooked on this latest series so I've now become a bit of food connoisseur John mm-hmm. you know oh, I know my food now mm-hmm. so we went to White and Wong's it's, it's probably mid top end mm-hmm. we paid like 75 bucks each for a meal but it was kind of like but the degustation, but not small. Yeah. Oh my God, it was good, John. Yeah. If you're going down to Queenstown, mm-hmm. spend the money, go to White and Wong's, get the the the, the degustationy type thing. Yeah. I was so full mm. with about three dishes to go. Oh, that's not good. I know, but John, I committed. Yeah, I bet you did. I committed big time, and we didn't even have dessert. Yeah. But it was just to live it on the food. Nice. It's a bit of a treat to do that, isn't it? It is, yeah. Just yeah. to go cray-cray. So there we go. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. I'm going out into that wind, the biking in the wind. It's nice pretty day. windy, mate. You're going to yeah. get smashed. That's right. Iron Russ. I'm your note. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.